Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Apple Hockey Weekly Podcast. I mean, it, it is an exciting week for us. We have actually just crossed the threshold of 1,000 subscribers. So, everybody, thank you very much. We're all just going to give you guys a round of applause on that. Thank you. Yes, because after all, we do this both to talk about hockey and we also do this for you as well. I, of course, am the man that can't find his own nameplate, Mark Williams. And I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. John Filkowski. Put Lafreniere on Power Play 1, please. And, of course, we got the man who just got his daughter off the bus, <laughs> working dad, just trying to support the New York Islanders, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. Yeah, five what five days from the season opener. Um, can't wait. Let's get going. I mean, come on. I mean, you got five days. Uh, the it's it's next Tuesday, right? Yeah, I think it's the the eleventh. So that 12th. actually makes it no. Days. It's the twelfth. The twelfth is Wednesday, so it's a week oh, from it's today. Six days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's six days. Either way, thank God. Thank you, hockey, for for coming back to us. Because that's the one thing that we need. Oh, um, by the way, Philk, uh, tonight I have a fantasy draft in a second league that it, I play in. And uh, I got the first overall pick. I was thinking, Anthony, who would you suggest for the first overall pick in fantasy? Hmm. I mean, isn't that – I think that's an easy choice. I think I mean, Mark I is just trying to troll us both here. So <laughs> let's not put too much thought oh, in Anthony and I were in hook, uh, I, hook step with that. Uh, I think you got to go Pablo Zaka. When we I did it for the – Jack Eichel with the first overall pick. Yeah. So yeah, no mystery. It is going to be Connor McDavid, but we got a lot of stuff for you guys today because we got team previews for the Rangers and the Islanders. Lots of league talk in our bar talk segment, but we're, what we're going to start off with is progress in ugh, the Jack Eichel saga. Like, yes. is there really progress, Anthony? Go ahead. Well, I mean, Darren Dreger tweeted something earlier this morning um, regarding how talks with Eichel and Kevin Adams were heading in a more positive direction, if you will, uh, and that the hope was that maybe they could get something done sooner than later. Um, so nothing nothing earth-shattering uh, doesn't appear imminent, but even, even the little tidbit that things are made progressing in the right direction, um, you know, it was a good thing. Uh, and I know our pal Dave Panyota that I sent this tweet in our group chat, he chimed in and kind of furthered that, um, you know, saying there, there are teams that, you know, have been access to his medical records and whatnot. So, um, you know, we'll see. Again, nothing, nothing earth shattering. I don't think we should sit here, you know, hitting the F5 refresh button, you know, looking for a, a trade here. But, um, you know, it seems as though maybe uh, my, both sides are serious in trying to make this, um, at this point, at least messy breakup and just move on. But um, I'm—I st- don't know about you guys. I know Phil's going to chime in in a minute, but I'm still in the in the in the belief that I don't know if this trade's going to get done soon. Albeit this um, this development here. Go ahead, Phil. I I think. Kevin Adams might have finally been given the word that a no movement clause kicks in in July because it sounds like he's starting to get a little serious. And remember when Pat Brisson came along and started representing Jack Eichel and I said this would eventually speed things up? What's happening? Things are starting to happen. 
because Pat Brisson is the Scott Boris of NHL agents. He's not a guy that takes crap from any GM, from any organization. He knows how to get things done. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to talk to organizations. He knows how to talk to general managers. He knows how to conduct things. And Pat Brisson is probably the reason why this is happening, because I think if Eichel still had his old representation, we wouldn't be at this point right now. We we're probably wouldn't even be having this discussion. So um, I, I think that we're, we're looking at things accelerating a bit. But like you said, nothing to be hitting the refresh button over and over again constantly or re- refreshing your Twitter or any other social media feeds. But something feels like it could actually get done sometime this century as opposed to I think Jack Eichel's corpse may be rotted by the time he was traded away. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It gives us something to talk about. Um, there's more chaos on social media and hockey circles. Uh, the guys on TSN and all the other uh, NHL network and all the other media outlets, Sportsnet, whatever, uh, they're all going to start talking about this again. I, I think something could happen sooner than later. I don't, it, like you said, I don't know exactly how soon sooner is, though. That's really the question at this point because he still has to get some sort of surgery done whether it's the surgery Buffalo wants or whether it's the surgery that he wants. So how long exactly is either way going to keep him out of action? And is Kevin Adams finally going to start negotiating in good faith and back off of his asking price of what a healthy Eichel would return as opposed to this version of Jack Eichel? That remains to be the question. So, I don't know if Kevin Adams wants to continue to make this a personal issue and continue to drag him through the mud. Hopefully Pat Brisson can mend that and really start working on it. But it's, it's, it sounds like Brisson is more involved in this than his previous representation ever was. And that's a good sign for everyone involved in this and Sabres fans as well. So This is kind of my take on this for this week and the only new developments, not anything specific to uh just uh, it's because we've talked about him so much that it's just it's just at nauseum so this is what i'll say about this beat the dead horse yeah just beating the dead horse it's uh noodles on tsn referred to eichel as being a spoiled brat uh when you're telling me to get an operation on my neck i will be a spoiled brat every day of the week Go to uh, just no, just no, uh, and, and I'm not even going to finish that. I do understand yeah. what you're saying, and I, and I do think there were times where Eichel's been a spoiled brat. This is not the same this same story. Kevin Adams, I will repeat this from day one, from not almost from day one, because it was the draft when I said that he screwed it up. He, Kevin Adams screwed this up. This is you want to say good for Kevin Adams? He's showing a uh, a good a big time player who the boss is. Guess what? If you're a big-time free agent, you want to go to Buffalo? doesn't matter how much money they spend. Which, by the way, our Mr. Anthony Morocco was talking in our group chat about how Buffalo is one of the five wealthiest owners in the league. So, of course, he spends on the team. So, right now, you mean to tell me that if this is the way you're going to treat a superstar, your franchise player, who was your consolation prize for Connor McDavid, as you said, at the uh, NHL lottery that year, what a great soundbite that was. It's it's just, no. Uh, I'm actually now on Eichel's side on this. I can't believe this. 
And if you do get him, let's say Chris Drury picks up the phone and acquires him tomorrow. He gets surgery the day after that. You're still looking at maybe January. The kid's losing the Olympics. He's losing half the season. Minimum. We don't even know what the full recovery time is. I I don't think Jack Eichel plays a game this year, but that's a different story. Um, Again, again, I just, I, I can't believe how full circle this has gone. And just just let it end. It, it's like the walking dead. We're literally just knocking it into the ground. It's not even that good anymore. And I mean the walking dead. Anthony. Um, my One of my things right now with if even Eichel's traded, um, I don't know how much I don't know how much help he's going to be to the team that acquires him. Because like you referenced, he's asked has a surgery and he's going to be out to, let's say, you know, January. And I mean, that's. That's November. You're talking three months without without the your you know the big asset you just traded for. And I'm I'm gonna use I'll just use the example of the Rangers here because they've been you know in the midst of this the whole time. You know, salary's got to go the other way. Let's let's say they trade Ryan Strom in a trade in a package for Eichel. Um, now, and I think we could all agree, not knock on them. The center really isn't their strongest depth area. So you trade away, that in a minute. You trade away Strom, and then Eichel's out until let's say January. You know, Phil Pito moves from the third line center to the second line center, and then you plug three and four with with whoever. So, if that if something like that played out, the Rangers actually become a, a worse team until he gets back. So, I don't know how that would help help anybody in that situation, really. Not even if it's not just the Rangers, but uh, I mean, I guess if, if, if there's a team that's a little stronger down the center ice, then maybe not. But the point remains: you're going to trade for a guy, and Eichel is not going to play for a couple of months. Um, so, how beneficial is that, really? And I think that's going to be at play in, in terms of these discussions here and what teams are willing to give up because you're going to subtract from your roster and not pay dividends of Eichel until, you know, the foreseeable future. So that's something interesting to watch. Well, that that's the problem. That's why I've said for months now that, that Adams has misplayed this horribly. He was trying to act like he had a nut hand in a game of Texas Hold'em when he was really playing with 7-2 offsuit. It, it was stupid. Yeah. If he would have just either let him have the surgery or if they would have just come to a resolution and he would have approached him like a decent human being and not treated him like a pile of trash, I mean, he could have actually gotten the surgery, have been ready for this season, and you would have been able to trade him for a lot more. Teams would have actually been willing to give up something, even even in the same stratosphere as what Kevin Adams wanted. Not that he was going to get let's just say the equivalent of Lafreniere, Kako, first-round pick, and someone like Philip Heedle. Like, he was never going to get that for Eichel in this situation, especially after the trade request out. But at least if back in May he would have just said, okay, you know what, you're having the surgery at the end of May. We'll let you have the surgery. You go, you recover, you're ready for camp, you're ready for the start of this season. Team would have been willing to actually negotiate with him. But instead, Kevin Adams decided, oh, we're not going to let you see your medical records for this player because there's obviously something that we don't want other GMs to see. So now he screwed everything up even more. And now he finally realizes that in order to get something for this asset and not have him deteriorate even more to the point where that no movement clause kicks in and he just absolutely railroads Adams completely, which smart idea, Kevin, way to go, buddy. Good job. Slap nuts. And you know what? You would have you would have been able to to get something for him, but 
you know what? Now the clock is ticking. Now he knows it. Now he really wants to make a move. So, I mean, I, again, again, I'll say good on Pat Brisson for trying to make things civil and actually get something done. But Kevin Adams has really tanked Eichel's value. It's just a piss poor job of being a GM. It's it's unbelievable that this saga is still going on. And I uh, I mean, I would love to make the joke who what gets settled first, a Brady Kachuk's contract or Jack Eichel's contract. Truth is, what gets settled first? Um government conspiracy. Do we know who actually shot JFK before we get Jack Eichel traded? <laughs> it's it's just come on. I couldn't I couldn't pull a government conspiracy out of my head right away. But still. <laughs> What are your thoughts on the Jack Eichel trade? We're going to move on and um, just put it all down in the comments below. So uh, we got more important stuff to talk about because the season is starting next week. And because the season is starting next week, we got to do team previews, which is great to look ahead. The first one we're going to do, obviously, is going to be the New York Rangers. That's what you get when you start the channel. Yay. Um, <laughs> Although the Islanders were the lead plenty of the summer, Anthony. So don't worry about that one. Um, guys, here we go. Uh, John, I'm going to start with you on this. What do you most like about this team? They're exciting. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue with this team because you have the influence of a lot of young talent coming up through this team. You have, Two super, an elite player, a top 10 player in the league in Artemi Panarin, a superstar player in Mika Zibanejad. You, you look like you have a franchise goalie locked up. You have one of the three best defensemen in the league right now in Adam Fox. I would say him, Hedman, and who, who else would you want to put in your top three? Yossi? But Adam Fox is a top three defenseman in this league right now. So you've, you've got core pieces. They added a lot of toughness. Um, they've added some leadership and they added some veterans in there. So now this locker room is going to have more stability than it had last year. And Statboy Steven has said this to me multiple times personally. And I, I'm pretty sure he said this on here and on Wardy. But um, they, the Rangers had a ton of issues that most normal teams wouldn't have to deal with over the span of three seasons in one season last year. The Tony incident, the the Truba injury, the Panarin incident. Uh, I mean, Quinn, that incident, and and Nabla coming in, and then Quinn losing the locker room and everything. You know, they had a lot of adversity to deal with. So this, a lot of the things that happened last year should not happen again this year. And it's going to be interesting to see how this team comes together. I will say one thing. The adjustment period is something that fans are going to have to have a lot of patience with. And we saw this with Vigneault in 2013-14. That, that October was brutal. One of the worst months in Rangers' recent history, I should say. But have patience. Gallant will guide them in the right direction. Trust me on that. I'll, I'll jump in with mine first. Uh, and, and yes, it, it, it's Gerard it's it's Gallant. We already know about the talent pool and we already know about that. They've kind of moved things around to be a more gritty team, but Gavant's job is now to make those pieces fit. And I had zero confidence in David Quinn trying to do that at the end of last year. 
Now, with that being said, even though we were at the game last week, you by the way, you could check out that video that we have on there. Um, as we watched Anthony's Islanders shut out the, the Rangers, they still looked better in their four nothing loss versus the Islanders than they did in any of the losses versus the Islanders at the end of the last season. That that was it was just awful. At least there was some fight in that team. Gerard Gallant is a steadying influence, and the peaks and the valleys of the season are going to be a lot less. Yes, I'm looking. Uh, yes, the, the talent would be yours. That I agree with you on that. I'm looking at Gerard Gallant and saying that's that's going to be the key factor, and he just fits in with the murderer's row of head coaches that are in the Metropolitan Division. I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see what this team is is going to do uh, for the regular season, Anthony. I mean, for this is easy. I mean, their skill led by Artemi Panarin. Um, you know, Artemi Panarin is one of the best players in the game. Um, you know, he has the ability to to carry the Rangers really. Um, you know, combine him with Zabenajad, who's developed into a really good player in his own, and then the hopeful for you guys the impending breakouts of Lafreniere and and Capocacco. And then, of course, Nor- Adam Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox on the defense. Um, this team's got a lot of good mix of skill. Um, you know, it's just them. It's just really about the young guys taking that next step and really propelling them to the next level because, you know, Panarin does need more help. But um, if everything falls their way in terms of the development of their young guys, um, you know, this team is going to be a good team for, you know, many years to come. But um, Panarin, Panarin's elite. I think any other team, would, you know, would love to have him. Um, so for me, you know, him quite easily is he's what I like about the team the most. I mean, he's, 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 he proved right from the beginning in Chicago that he was a really good player. And then in Columbus on a team, not nearly as skilled. Um, he had really, really good years with them. Um, the guy's legitimate and, you know, the Rangers need him healthy and in the lineup to, you know, have a good chance of making the playoffs. All right. So now moving on, you got to look at the goaltending situation. And Filk, go ahead. How do you assess the goalies? Well, I don't want to make any judgments off a of preseason. The goaltending has looked up and down. Um, it, it's really – it should be Igor 1, Georgiev 2. And that was Quinn's mistake last year. And you pointed that out so many times. You were all over that. Um, I, I would say, if anything, you're – shut up. <laughs> I know exactly what you were getting at, but yeah. So you're looking at a one and a two and hopefully the right rotation this time around, no carousel, no games, no nonsense, no competition. As much as I like Georgiev, I feel like his, his value has been tanked and I don't think that he's anywhere close to starter quality. And I would hope that Gallant would see this as well and say, hey, Igor's the guy. Let's go with our guy. So I I like the goaltending. The defense really has to help them out this season, which I think it will. But Igor's the number one going forward should be a solid, solid goaltender. So I I like what I see there. Well, as I said last year, it was – and I mean, most of it was even before Anthony started joining us. But – this this team it should have had Igor at number one, and Georgiev was a distant number two, like so far distant you would need binoculars to see him. Not necessarily a Mike Keenan number two, but that's a different story. 
it, 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 he proved it. I mean, he's, if he plays too many games, I think he gets exposed and that's just where we're looking at. And I, Sisterkin is the guy you have to develop that this team is going to be great. Sisterkin's got to be there. The one thing about Sisterkin is he's going to have to be healthy. He had the groin injury last year. Uh, the year before was a car accident. Can't get on him about the car accident, but it's, he's, he's had some, he's had some problems with injuries. His save percentage, usually the second month of the season is, is outstanding. Uh, in February, I believe he had a nine thirty both the years so far now he's got to do it for a full year so well let's see if he's really the guy to do it because we're going to be talking about goaltending across the way uh in about a few more minutes and anthony what's your thoughts on the rangers goaltending i'll start with gorgiev um you know i i don't think he's particularly that good um i think the rangers missed the boat on trading him what was it Two years ago, maybe I think the two years, teams, yeah. Yeah, the Maple yeah. Leafs were interested possibly when they were looking for goaltending help. But that's in the past. But um Gorgie is what he is. You know, he's he's a guy that, you know, can be a backup goalie in this league, but if he plays too much, uh his kind of true colors shine through. Um, I don't you know, he's not a guy you can rely on as your starter or an extended period of time. Um, but as far as Shesterkin goes, I think we all know it. The guy the guy can be an elite goaltender. Um, you know, last year, you know, he had 916 save percentage, which let's face it, fellas, 916 save percentages isn't isn't bad. But for a guy with his capability, you know, he's capable of posting a 930 save percentage. And, that, you know, though that type of numbers is elite for a goalie. So, um, you know, if he if he could stay healthy and, and play at the top of his game, um, there's no doubt in my mind he can be that guy. Um, I just think he needs, you know, and as he gets older and more used to the North American game, he'll become more consistent. Um, you know, he'll get there. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But um, again, for, so for him, it's really just about staying healthy and just trying to play at that consistent high level for the whole season, which is what the truly elite goalies do. But it takes some guys some time to really develop into that. But um, I have no issues with the Rangers goaltending. Um, yeah, they could get a better guy than Gorgiev backup, but it's not a it's not a huge glaring issue. It's not really worth trying to address at this point. So as long as Shesterkin stays healthy, I think the Rangers will be uh, will be solid in goal. Now, this is the one question before we move on to the next thing it, that I have is is this going to be a season where the backup goaltender really impacts the team, given that there's going to be the pressure to play more games before the Olympic break. And then you got the compact uh, schedule after the Olympic break too. Yeah, I mean that that's 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 a good point. Um, you know, just just like my my boy across uh, across the other side of the river. More on that um, in a minute. In uh, Ilya, same case with Igor. He's got they none of them have played a full eighty-two game season yet. Chesterkin had twelve games his first year, and obviously last year was the fifty-six game season. And then he was hurt, so. Um, this is going to be his first full year as a starter playing in an 82 game season. So, um, yeah, he's played full seasons in the KHL, but you know, it's different here in North America. So, um, that's that, yeah, that definitely plays a role. You know, I'm, I'm sure they'll monitor that. They don't want to burn him out. Um, but I think a lot of goalies are good. Well, I should say a lot of young goalies are going to have this type of issue this year. The veterans, you know, like Vasilevsky, we all know who they are. Hellebuck you know, they'll jump right back into it. But it's the younger guys where it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, kind of 
react to playing that full season. So, but yeah, that's a good point, Mark. It's um, it's especially with the Olympic break thrown in there. It's a whole wrinkle, a whole new wrinkle for these younger guys who've never gone through it before. Felk. In terms of what Anthony was just saying, I, I'd have to agree. Um, you're really going to start to see guys who haven't adjusted to a full season schedule yet, maybe struggle a little bit with it. In the case, or in the cases, I should say, of uh, Shesterkin and Sorokin, they've played full seasons in the KHL. So they are used to a bigger workload. Uh, yes, it's different because the ice surfaces and the scheduling is a bit different. It's a little more uh, lenient on the body, I would say, in the KHL because of our more traveling with less games. So it's it's a, a lot less of a compacted schedule as opposed to the NHL. But I overall agree with Anthony's point there. I think you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of uh, adjustments being made for younger goaltenders. I, I think Igor. And Ilya will both be able to handle it. As for the Varlamov injury, I don't know the extent of the injury. And I'll, I'll probably I'll save that for when we get to the Islanders. But <laughs> uh, Igor, I, I think, will be okay. Because he, they rode him for a while before that car accident back in, uh, I think it was February, the end of February 2020. Mm-hmm. So he was really good for a while, and they were really, really putting everything on him. He was handling the load. So I think he'll be all right. And I think if the defense is better, which I think they will be, I think it'll take some time, but they will eventually figure everything out in this new system. I think that'll help a bit too because he won't won't have to be bailing them out of every game as he did in 2019-20. So – I, I think Igor is going to be all right. Which goes right back to what we we're saying again before. Um, does this team have the depth to compete? Phil, we're going to start with you. That's really the key issue here is do they, do they really have what it takes to compete in normal years where a, a Pittsburgh would be at full power to start the season or Washington hadn't lost a top four defenseman or something like that, I might lean towards no. But this year, I think with the moves that they've made, and if you get the development that you're looking for to the three big young forwards in Lafreniere, Kako, and Kravtsov, they could have the depth to compete. And I, I think ultimately they do. It's just a matter of how those three develop. And you have Barkley Goudreau coming in. That'll help boost your your bottom six. Sammy Blay looks to be every bit the part and is starting to show Ranger fans the reason why they traded for him. And I get he's never going to win everybody over because Butch Navich went the other way. And there's always going to be that sect of Ranger fans that will hate Sammy Blay because of that, which is not Sammy Blay's fault. You direct your anger at Chris Drury there. And I get that. But Sammy Blay is a great addition to this team. Don't don't get anything twisted there. So I, I think overall the depth that they've been missing in the bottom six that we've complained about for the last, what, two, three seasons now has finally been replenished a bit. And I think that's going to make them more competitive because Gallant can actually roll 
four lines without having to worry about a fringe NHL player like Di Giuseppe or someone like that getting important minutes late in a game because you have to roll four lines to keep everyone fresh. So, yeah, I, I, I say this team has the depth. And having Pittsburgh out or Pittsburgh down, you know, two men to start the season and of getting Malkin out for two months, leaving Jeff Carter as their, their number one center, that helps them go a long way in this division. They've got to get points early. So let's hope that adjustment period isn't too long. Uh, I'm going to say that they have the depth, and I'm saying it if it's a yes, no answer. I'm going to go with yes. I like what they did on the third and fourth line. I think it's even better. I think they have got a couple guys that could step in both uh, defensively and uh, on on the bottom six that could really help. Obviously, if Timmy Panarin goes down again, the New York Rangers are in trouble. But they might be able to stretch it out as a team. They're going to be coached better because Artemi Panarin is the ultimate deodorant. He's MVP for a reason, or MVP candidate, I should say, two years ago. And now with, I, I keep saying this over and over again, Gerard Gallant's going to make them a better team because they're going to get more down the lineup. I got a guy that I'm going to be talking about in a minute uh, on when we talk about players, and I'm going to mention him, but it's it, it's there's a couple key guys that are going to be very important to this team's success. Now, there are a couple players. If they lose them, they're 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 in they're in some trouble. If they lost Sisterkin for a while, they're in a little bit of trouble. And you need to see they, they they this team did not look the same after Jacob Drew's injury. And we all and Ranger fans love the rip on this guy because of the contract and what the expectations were, but. They they were not the same after Trouba went out, after Kreider went out. So let's see if they could still like have some physicality and be a, a quality team when uh, if those guys have trouble. And usually Chris Kreider always has like a two week injury. Anthony, um, yeah, they they have depth. Um, I I you know AZ uh, had a comment above that um I saw that he said it has it has improved, um. How tested it? How tested is it? Is the question. But um, no, they 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 got the depth. Um, obviously, are they deep as are they deep as some other teams? No. Um, but it's a lot better than it was in the past. I think Morgan Barron can step in and play fourth line role. If let's say Kevin Rooney went down, um, you know Julian Gauthier is kind of knocking on the door, being an everyday player. So he's a guy that could play. Um, in the event that there's an injury, um, you know Barclay Goudreau helps. Sammy Blay helps. So. Uh, they definitely improved. Um, I, like Mark, you mentioned, you know, if Panarin goes down, but you could say that any team. I mean, if any team loses your top elite player, you know, you're you're kind of screwed. So there aren't many teams that could say, oh, I could lose our best player and still have, you know, depth to to really. Um, well, I guess Nikita Kucherov is a is a great point in Tampa Bay. They didn't have him, and they but they're they're that team was a machine last year. Um, but I don't really have any problems with their depth. Um, I think it's I think it's you know good enough for them to compete. Um, and like any other team, your goal is to stay healthy. But you know that's something you can never predict. Um, but overall, I you know I, I do think they're they're deep enough to have some moderate success. All right. So when you're looking at this team right now, what's the player that you're keying on? And I'll start you guys off, and we'll go in reverse order. On this one, I'll go Phil next. My guy is Capo Caco. This is I'm 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 really looking at him now. The the reins are off. He's getting bigger. Everybody's excited about him in the comments, so we all know. But this this guy 
looks like he's going to finally give us a glimpse of what he's really going to be. And if he's going to end up being a top six forward this season and actually break the 20 goal barrier, I'm not going to say the 30 goal barrier. That's too much pressure to put on a kid, but he's, he's, he's not even 21 years old yet. And this is going to be great. If he could start becoming who he's going to be. That's why I'm, I'm looking at him. Phil, I go to you. Easily Alexi Lafreniere. Everything is on this kid. He was the number one overall pick. He was touted to be the franchise player. He's touted to be the guy, probably the future face of the franchise at some point. And I think he will be the captain one day. And this is where it's going to have to start. He's going to be playing with most likely Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. He's going to be playing in the top six. He's going to be the play driver to replace Pavel Bochnevich. And I, I think this is the year where he absolutely breaks out, especially if he stays with that line long-term and they keep him on the left side. The one thing, like I said at the very start of the show when you introduced me, is they've got to put him on power play one. It can't be Ryan Strom off that right side wall. You can't be. You need a left-handed shot on that unit. You need a shooter off that wall. You need to give teams another element to be scared of. He has an elite shot. He absolutely has an elite shot. We've all seen what he can do. We've all seen him snipe out top corners. This kid's incredible. So this is his time. And I'm totally, my eyes are going to be fixated on him. And Kaka would be my number two. So Alexi Lafreniere is the guy that you've got to watch out for if you're watching the Rangers. Anthony. Um, Mark, I'm going to, I'm going to say Capo Caco too. Um, I agree with Phil Lafreniere is a guy you got to watch out for. You know, he's, he was the first all world pick for a reason. Um, it is only his second year, but Caco is a little different. Um, you know, I think this is a guy that, you know, for the Rangers really take the next step. He needs to be that player that everyone thought he could be when they drafted him second overall, you know, this, I mean, it's, it's fine if he develops, let's just say into a, you know, 15 goal guy who plays, who gives you really good defense. But if he becomes that, you know, 30, 30 guy, then that's kind of like a game changer. So if he could become that player, I mean, you, that just makes the Rangers that much of a scarier team. However, if he doesn't really, if he doesn't really take the next step offensively, I think a lot more questions and pressure is going to fall on his shoulders. Um, and then I think that becomes even harder for him to play with that weighing on him. Uh, and then maybe the Rangers have to have a different conversation, you know, when it comes to looking at their situation going forward and, you know, how much to give him and, you know, how long they want to, you know, because he's still going to want, I think, a decent amount of money when his ELC is up and you, you really want to pay top dollar to a guy who's not giving you the production of a, you know, second overall pick. But um, so for me, it's him. He's got bigger. He's got stronger. Um, you know, he's a year more experienced let's see what you got now. Cause you know, the Rangers, like I said, they, they really need him to be that player to take the next step. Yeah. You want to see that, that growth in him. And yeah. by the way, uh, in our bar talk segment in, in about maybe 20 minutes, we'll be going over a player that really is comparable with, uh, Kako's growth, but we're going to move on to this one, which is what, what player could be most critical to this team? Philk. Gotta stay right where I just was. Uh, it, it's Lafreniere, because if he develops into the top six forward 
that they think he will can and will be this year, then that goes a long way towards replacing Pavel Buchnevich's offense. And I, I've said that I think this player will be a point-per-game or better player at some point in his career. If he starts getting close to that this year, this team could go a long way. And I, I'm not saying cup or anything like that, but they could be a real legitimate contender, be a playoff team, make possibly make some noise in the playoffs. So it, it, I, I think Alexei Lafreniere is most critical because when you think about it, you know what you're going to get out of our Temi Panarin. He's going to score at a 90-plus point pace, 90 to 100 points, possibly even more than 100 points. Adam Fox is probably going to give you Norris caliber play, whether he gives you 70-plus points or not, or 65 points. I don't know, but he's going to be a Norris. He's going to be in the Norris conversation. Shesterkin would probably be the second player because there are some questions that are unanswered for me about Igor, whether he can carry the load for a full season whether he actually is the guy or not, he still has to. He's shown us glimpses that he is, but he still has to answer the question. But, and I get what Anthony was saying about Capo Caco. He's right about that. If he doesn't start to show you something this year, then the conversations change. Then the organization's outlook on him changes as well. Then there's a lot more pressure on his shoulders. But Lafreniere is the guy. Lafreniere has to be the top six forward that they need him to be. He has to replace Butchnevich this year. So uh, for me, it's it's Lafreniere. I'm going to point out our interview with Dan Rosen last week. And um, the guy that I'm about to say, because we know we we pretty much know what we're going to get from the Criders Advantage line, the Panarin Strom line, is this going to be where some guys fit in. But Filipito really could be the key to the New York Rangers season. If he ends up bringing quality play and um, maybe even a little bit of physicality, we know about the we know about the thighs, we know about his legs. Now you're gonna have to start to bring it. I mean, we could talk about Capo Caco being, hey, show us what you got. It's sort of like Rick and Morty with a big giant head. Show me what you got. That's what Filipino has to do, and it's it's going. I think he's going to be critical because of the line that he plays on. I still am not 100% sold that Lafreniere is going to be the right wing for Kreider and Zibanejad because I still think there's a possibility Chris Kreider might move down. And if you're going from the template of, let's say you use the Tampa Bay Lightning template, I think you're closer to using Gaudreau on the right, Kreider on the on the left, and Heedle as the center. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. That's where it might be. I, but you know what? I, I would love it if if Lafreniere is the right wing and Chris Kreider puts up his career uh, goals of the season. Remember, president of the Chris Kreider fan club. But back to Filipino. Filipino is my guy. He, if he brings a quality of the bottom six that he can play good defensively and score, this team is on a different level. Anthony. Filk didn't, Filk didn't pick him, but he referenced him. Um, I'm going to go Igor Shesterkin. Um, you know, this is a guy that I think everyone's in agreement that he can be elite. He's not there yet, and I think he's I think he's got to prove a lot to put himself in that conversation. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying like Kako, it's kind of like a make or break year. It's not with Igor either, but I think this is the year where the Rangers are really going to gauge. All right, do we have our goaltender for? an extended period of time here 
Um, or, you know, do we have to maybe start putting some more resources in developing another goalie? I think um, he's got to stay healthy um, and he's got to play the top of his game because, you know, in this league, if you don't have good goaltending, yeah, there may have been some exceptions to the rule, rule over the years. You're not really going to win many hockey games. And if Igor either can't stay healthy and is hurt, that puts the Rangers in a bad spot because that leaves him with Gorgiev. Um, or if he's just not playing up to his level, that's going to, you know, that's going to hurt the Rangers. He, need, he needs to be that, you know, I'm not saying he needs to be 930, but he needs to be, you know, like nine, like 923, 924. I think that's kind of where he really needs to be for the Rangers to maximize their success and their ability. Um, so I think he's got to get there. Because uh, if he doesn't, you know, that, that could really hurt them. But then again, you know, uh, that's the case with a lot of teams. Goaltending is that important. Um, I kind of equate it to pitching in baseball, uh, you know, having a good quarterback in football. Um, it's just how it is. And the thing is, he has that potential. He's just got to show it now over an 82-game season. One thing to mention, though, just to flash back to Vegas, Gerard Gallant in the first season of the Las Vegas Golden Knights I believe he went through five goaltenders. He definitely went through four. I think he went to a fifth at one point. So if crisis does hit, he's already been through a similar situation like that before. Okay, so we already talked about what we like about these uh, about the New York Rangers. John, I'm going to go to you first. What do you least like about him? <laughs> a lot of question marks. Uh, the kids. They're a question mark. Lafreniere is a question mark. Kako's a question mark. Kravtsov's a question mark. Heedle's a question mark. Igor is still a question mark. I, I mean, there, there's not enough of I know what I'm getting on this team. I know what I'm getting from Panarin. I know what I'm getting from Zibanejad. I know what I'm getting from Fox. But after that, what, what am I sure of? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure that Ryan Strom will probably give you around 50 to 60 points. Okay, but can he improve to the point where we don't have to worry about center depth? Because that that's a big that's a big part that I also don't like about this team is center depth. I don't I don't like center depth after Mika Zvanajad. I like Ryan Strom, but only to a point, and I like him because of his chemistry with Artem Panarin. So the the center depth really isn't great. Um, the depth on defense, I like the addition of Nils Lundqvist, but I don't like – I haven't liked what I've seen from Keandre Miller since the first half of the previous season ended. He hasn't played well since then, and that was before Jacob Truba's injury. I don't I don't like what I've seen from Jacob Truba as a Ranger so far. Too many ups and downs from him. Nils Lundqvist, another unknown. Patrick Nemeth, I'm not a fan of him. I, I said that when they signed him. I'm not a fan. His, his foot speed still doesn't look good. Uh, I, I would hope that he kind of gets it together and really helps Nils Lundqvist out a bit, but I, I don't like what I've seen from him. So there are way too many question marks on this team for my liking. Well, it wouldn't be a show if I didn't kick my camera. Good job. Uh, you know something? I got to agree about the question marks, it's almost too many options. That's the way that I'll say it. You got to figure out who's going to be that sixth defenseman. And Lundqvist, Schneider, Jones, because if it's if it's Jones and Schneider, there's a chance you can only throw them in a tandem. And then it's da 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 da. Where does where does Kratzoff fit in? It's it's 
they need I, I i i always made the joke last year about the the tool song i know the pieces fit well if yeah. they fit where are they uh where are they fitting that's where it comes into and that's what gerard glant's gonna have to figure out and we'll see what he could do anthony what do you not like about the rangers i was gonna say center depth but you know phil kind of pushed me over the edge to kind of pretty much say what he said um it's good to have a young team but there's so many young players that they're kind of relying on to to play to their potential to really take that next step and that's tough he, you know he, he mentioned it all like you know igor lafreniere uh kako heedle um you know Nil, nils lundquist to to a, a lesser extent um I was a pain, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but what he was trying to portray is that I'll paint this picture. If all those young guys don't, let's say, really step up or play at the same level they did, or or even take a step back, who who do you who do you have on the team to make a playoff team? Yeah, Panarin's amazing. Zabenjad is good, and Fox is good. But are those three guys enough to counteract not getting anything else from a lot of the a lot of the roster? I mean, the answer is probably no. I mean, Mark. I know you love Cry to your president's fan club, but I mean, he's not—he's not a guy you—he's not a guy you rely on. No. Um, That—that's because that's really who's left after that. Kreider, Ryan Strom, but Strom—you don't have to worry about too much because he has that good chem- chemistry with Panarin. But you know, for me, that's—that's that's something I—I—I I, I don't like about them. But you know, it could go the other way. If, if all these young guys take the next step and, you know, really excel, then, then forget about it. They're, you know, they're going to be really excited. Um, So it's one of those things and go one way or the other and, you know, or maybe kind of fall somewhere between the middle. And if that happens, then, you know, then that's what they would call like a, a bubble team. So if it goes really good, definite playoff team, if it kind of falls right in the middle bubble. And (laughs) if what we just talked about, if they don't, then, you know, you're talking, you know, another year without the playoffs. So, well, it's actually great that you said it just like that because that's what the next question is. If everything breaks right, how far can they go? And Phil, we got uh, actually. You know what, Anthony, keep going. Yeah, come on, Anthony. <laughs> uh, so I think if everything breaks right, um, they're a playoff team. Um, I know the three of us in our predictions of the Metro. Me and Phil are pretty identical. Mark, you just flipped the Islanders and the Hurricanes. So for me, if everything goes right. You know, three, four in the Metro, which obviously three is a, a definitive playoff team. Four is probably wild card. But um, that's that's where I could see absolutely happening for the Rangers. You know, like I said, this this division, there's a lot of question marks with Pittsburgh. I, I really don't like them. And Phil Dan Rosen kind of agreed with us. Um, you know, he still thinks the Caps are a playoff team. And, and that's fair because, you know, I think, you know, that's that's very plausible. Um, but them, you know, they're getting older. You know, Flyers, they're like Jekyll and High. You don't know which Flyers team you're going to get. seems like every other year they flip-flop. So, um, yeah, I, I think if everything breaks right, the Rangers could be right there in that, you know, three, four spot in Metro. Uh, maybe five. And, you know, it, in some cases, the f- number five spot could make them have made the playoffs, especially if, you know, you're talking no wild cards out of the Atlantic. But that's another topic, which um, they're a little stronger, too. But. Yeah, so that's kind of where I could see if everything goes right. They're a playoff team. Philk. Yeah, I I really liked Leo's comment here before because uh, I, I think that's pretty accurate. I think it's very fair. 
they're a top four team in the Metro if everything goes right. I, I think they could even be third, possibly second place in that division if everything goes right. I still think the Islanders are the cream of the crop. Carolina does have some questions, especially on defense. Goal I mean, especially if you're employing Tony D'Angelo to play minutes in the NA, or minutes at even strength. I mean, he's great on the power play, but at even strength, he's an absolute disaster. So I, I would definitely say at this point, if everything goes right, they could be a possible top three team in, in that division, especially with Pittsburgh's issues. Washington, they're an old court. Are, are they going to start to fall apart? Are you going to start to see the effects of Alexander Ovechkin missing a handful of games throughout his illustrious NHL career? Or is Nicholas Backstrom's injury going to be an ongoing problem throughout the season? Is their age going to be a factor? Can can Ilya Samsonov step up and finally be that number one goalie? Or is he just going to be a hyped prospect that was really good as a prospect, but kind of goes to the wayside in the NHL and really isn't that great of an NHL starter. They're, they have some questions too. So I, I would say if everything breaks good for the Rangers, I, I'm, I'm saying a top three team, maybe maybe the fourth seed as well in, in the division. I think they could even possibly win a playoff round depending on who they draw. Now, Gerard Gallant did coach a team to the Stanley Cup Finals and they actually won game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm not making that prediction right here. I think the Rangers can make the playoffs and be a tough out in the first round, possibly win a round. It's going to be tough to put to, to factor them uh, ahead of that. I like them as a playoff team this year. I think they got a lot of good pieces that can make sure that they get there. And I don't think the Metro is going to be without a reach. Uh, there's, there's going to be plenty of teams that are going to be knocking each other off in the Metro you, you might see, like, that might be the toughest division between one to seven. Uh, now, one to six, I'm sorry, uh, out of out of all the teams. So, we'll see about that. But, again, I, I think the Rangers are a playoff team. What could derail a good season for this team? Yeah, you want to start with me or? Oh, sorry, Phil, go to you. And basically, we're default. talking about. We, we, what we were talking about before the, the young guys not stepping up could is probably the biggest thing. And I include the, the three forwards. I include um, Keandre Miller and Igor in, in that Nils Lundqvist. I'm not really going to include because I don't think they're going to ask a lot of him. Um, I think if he gets onto the first power play unit at some point this season, I think that would be a miracle. So it's it's really it's really Kakula Frenier, Kraftsov, Miller, and Shesterkin. If those guys don't take the next steps in their development, I, I think the Rangers might be missing the playoffs. They might be looking on the outside end. And I think that might lead to some major changes in the following offseason. So I would say to you if Kak- if uh Lundquist or Lundquist is on the top power play unit, that might be a disaster because that means out of box is injured or not effective mm. or something like that. Mm. Uh, I think it all rests on Igor Sisterkin, uh, whether or not it's going to be a good season or not. It's even though I said before Gallant's navigated through tough times with goaltenders, it's just, it's on Sisterkin. That's just what I think. Anthony. Well, to be different from you guys, um, I would say a, a significant injury to Panarin or Sisterkin. 
uh, many of those guys are out long term. I mean, that's that's a big problem. All right. So finally, this is what we're going to set in stone and replay the tape at the end of the year. John, your season prediction for the New York Rangers. I'm going to say fourth in the division. And I think they probably get knocked out in the first round of playoffs. I'm going to go third in the division, knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Anthony. Um, fourth in the Metro and losing the first round of the playoffs. Out of curiosity, guys, since you got them both at four, who are they losing to? Because that means they're playing a team from the Atlantic. I would say they'd probably end up drawing Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay would kill them in a playoff series. Tampa Bay and those that Tampa Bay and those New York teams. Anthony. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, because two depending on yeah, that because Ford mean they're one of the last two wild cards. So um yeah, I guess uh, you know, Tampa Bay. I'm gonna be bold and I'm gonna say the Florida Panthers. So I hear the Florida Panthers, I think, would still kill them in a playoff series, too, especially. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no. in, in your scenario, mine, mine, they would probably lose to Carolina. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Guys, so that is our predictions for the New York Rangers season and all the things that we're focusing on in our preview. We're going to try to be a little bit faster to get to the Bartok segment in a moment. We are not doing honest press conferences today for that reason, but we want to know your thoughts. You're giving us, you're giving us some good ones in the comments. I will try not to click on a comment when Phil is trying to click on a comment, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but anyway, so put it all down in the comments below, especially if you're watching this when we cut all this up. So now we got to go across the river. And we're going to talk to much to Anthony's delight about the New York Islanders. Now, considering they have much less questions to answer, this should actually go a little bit faster. But before we even start this, tomorrow afternoon, we are touring UBS Arena. See a video on that coming soon where you're going to see us highlighting what hopefully will be a good experience for not just Anthony, but for us to go see the Rangers when hopefully they dominate the Islanders over there as well. But although it hasn't been like that at the Barclays Center, thank God the Barclays Center is no more. <laughs> so Anthony, starting off, what do you like most about this team? Um, I mean, there's I like a lot about it, but I guess I'll just Barry Trotz and how, you know, every year he has this team playing the same style of hockey. Um, you know, he, he has them, come prepared from from day one um like so you all know what you're going to get from them. they all i mean to a certain extent obviously barzell's line plays different than the fourth line but they all play the same style within that system uh they all they all know what their jobs are um well structured you know it starts from lou at the top uh you know all the way down to barry and the players um you know as dan rosen said um and you can talk about this a little bit when you start to talk about what you don't like when he was with us last week he's like gotta be honest he's like i don't i don't see much not to like about this team and um i i love that about them they're very deep um and you know along with a couple other teams in the league they're up there with a lot of people with you know competing for a cup this year so 
But Barry Trotz, uh, I, I love I love what he's done for this team. Philk. Um, a, a lot of what Anthony said. It, it, it just there's a lot of structure and depth, and Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz are the perfect combination for this team for that very reason. Lou Lamorello runs his teams like George Steinbrenner ran the Yankees. There, there's no, there's no names on the back. You check your ego at the door. You get the f out. Um, you have a, a great coach who's probably going to be regarded as one of the ten best coaches ever when it's all said and done. A guy that comes in and absolutely demands the absolute best every night from his players, every shift, every battle. Every detail is covered. Dots the T, dots the I's, crosses the T's. He demands the absolute best from his players. Uh, they're a deep team. They have a great system. Even when the goaltenders are off, the system can help compensate for the goaltenders being off. If one of the defenders is off, the system will compensate for that too. Uh, they they play hard every night. They're physical. They're in your face. They're an absolute pain in the ass to play against. So that that's what I like about the Islanders. And I, I think, like I said, they're coming out on top in this division. The and and well, you're supposed to save your prediction for the end. But thank you. I know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> uh, I, I got to go with uh, that. This is one of the most difficult teams in the NHL to play against, and that's what I'm hoping the New York Rangers. We'll also follow suit with the um, the Islanders just are consistent day in and day out. And you, you they aren't like a box of chocolates. You know exactly what you're going to get. <laughs> and you're going to yeah. get a whole lot of pain every time you go in there. And it's they are going to win the center matchup every single night. I've said that about them since last March. And it's there aren't many teams they'll lose the center matchup to. I don't even know if I don't know if there is a team that they lose the center matchup to. Well, that's what Dan Rosen said, where he said, Yeah, the Oilers have McDavid and Drysidle, but who's their three and four? Exactly. And that's where the thing is. Your your drop off from one to four is is a lot. Yeah, that's a little bit more of an I don't want to use the word even playing because Barzell is a great player, but Brock Nelson, hey, come on. So, Anthony, how do you assess the goaltenders? Kind of talked about this uh, a little bit in our group chat the other day when ESPN ranked their tandems and they had the Islanders at number one. Um, and whether you have them at one, two, three, it doesn't matter. The point remains is they have their goaltending situation is really good. Um, you have Varlamov, who's who's been, even though I've, you know, I've chirped him a lot during the playoffs, he's had the propensity to let up some soft goals. But at the end of the day, his statistics are at the top of the league. Um, you know, he's he's steady um, and he's been getting the job done. And then you add Ilya Sorokin to the mix, who, uh, who I thought, you know, for for not having a, a real training camp last year and no preseason games. Um, you know, he adapted really well to the NHL. And as he got more comfortable, you saw how good he was against Pittsburgh. And I think the expectations for him this year are even higher. So regardless of which one's in goal, Varlamov, Sorokin, um, they're, they're as steady as they come. And that's one of their strengths. So they couldn't be in a better spot there. I know we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the Varlamov injury a little, maybe a little later when you talk about some other things. But uh, right now, when, when they're both healthy as a number one, two duo, you can't really ask for anything better. Talk. 
Yeah, they're definitely one of the best tandems in the league. No doubt about that. Uh, the system absolutely helps them too, which is a boost to them. So when you have a really good tandem and you have a great system in front of them with the way that that team plays, on most nights you're going to get quality goaltending. So you don't really have to worry about anything. And like you guys were talking about before, you know what you're going to get from the Islanders. You know what you're going to get from these two goaltenders. You're going to get solid play. And do they need to be Vezina caliber goal, goalies to win? No, they don't. They don't have to be. And that's fine. And as an Islander fan, you should actually be happy about that because they could have an off night and you're still probably going to win more times than not because the system helps. And that's the great part about having a great coach. So the goaltending, I, I'm not worried about it if I'm an Islander fan. That That's probably the last of my worries if I'm an Islander fan. I think the goaltending is set up to succeed very well, especially this year with the Olympics coming up. Berlamov is going to the Olympics. Sesterkin and Sorokin are not going to the Olympics. So it might be on Sorokin to carry the, the load the first two months. Uh, I've become a believer in Ilya Sorokin because of that win versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't think they get past Pittsburgh Penguins without Ilya Sorokin. So uh, he's starting to fill the bill that Islander fans were telling me about for so long and how great this guy was. Can't wait to see the matchup for him versus Sazerkin for a lot of years. Yeah. Shannon, by the way, thank you. And also credit to Shannon who helped me write, uh, bring on the hockey season. The singing, different story. That, <laughs> that might not have been the best. It's not really my key. I'm don't don't ever try out for American Idol. I, I, I never will. Funny part is, I'm, again, I'm more of a baritone, so it's a little bit out of my cape. All right. Does this team have the depth? I'll start this one for you, Anthony. Yes, they have the depth. Their forward group is one of the deepest in the league, and uh, they, they're probably not going to dress Leo Komarov half the season. He was playing on their top line. That's what I'll, I'll be so bold to say because they have depth everywhere. My only question on their depth is their defense. And I'll get to that more later. Going to you, Anthony. Yeah, depth one through 12. Um, they're great. I mean, you, you have a situation where uh, Richard Ponick, um, you know, barring an injury to Matt Martin to start the year, is not even going to – he's going to be the 13th forward. And, you know, on – I would say, decent, you know, 10 to 12 teams or so, Richard Ponick's probably a, you know, everyday fourth-line player. So – they got they got depth there. Um, they got guys that could step in. Um, it's not something I'm really concerned about. Yeah, you mentioned the D. Uh, that that is true. But overall, their their forward depth, um, they're they're good. I mean, it's not, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, they they got the depth. Well, that sums that one up. <laughs> the only question I literally have regarding depth for them is. Who's the other? Who's the other top four defenseman outside of Pellick, Pollock, and Mayfield? That's it. That's the only question I have. I I think that should that should speak volumes about what my answer is. Okay, so brings us to the next point. What is the player that you're keying on, Anthony, for this Islander team? Oliver Wallstrom. Um, you know, we saw what he did last year: the twelve goals in the forty-four games, which is pretty good. Um, we know the shot that he could bring. Um, you know, he's a useful tool in the power play there. 
he had a really, you know, after, you know, not really doing the best after he decided to go to Boston College and then turn pro, you know, he was kind of up and down. But last year, he kind of really started to develop into the player what everyone thought he could be. Um, and now it's his now it's, this is his chance to really take the ball and run with it. You know, yeah, Trotz already said he's going to start with uh, Palmieri on the top line with with Lee and, and Barzell. But that's not an issue. He's going to play with Pajot, who's a very, very, a very solid third line center. And Parise He's going to get power play time. Um, and his shot is just really good. So I think he's going to get every opportunity to succeed. And if he can, you know, score 20, you know, 20, 22 goals. That, I mean, for the Islanders, that, that would be great. And he has the potential to do so. So I'm, I'm curious to see what type of year he has. Phil? Well, since my answer was just taken, uh, I'm going <laughs> to go with Scott Mayfield. I want to see how Scott Mayfield can carry that second pairing without someone like Nick Letty with him. Because as much as I, I would harp on Nick Letty over the years, Nick Letty was still a, a decent top four defenseman, I will say. So I want to see how Scott Mayfield carries that pairing because he's going to be relied upon doing so. And I also want to see who plays with him. So Scott Mayfield's production, the way he plays and what he gives you on a nightly basis is going to be very important to the New York Islanders' success. Since my answer was taken also by <laughs> Anthony, I'm going to go with uh, Zach Parise because where is he going to fit on this team? We know there's a role for Zach Parise on this team. We know it's not on the second line because that's where you got the B line, which still sounds like a terrible nickname, but it's very obvious. That's the one that's got to be. And uh, so is he going to slot in on that top line with Barzell and can he produce at a top line level, or is he going to slide in more on the third line and produce like maybe 15 goals, chip that in play well defensively. He, he could be a real difference maker he's got something left. I just don't know what and how much. So we're going to see about that. So what player, Anthony, could be most critical to the team? Uh, I mean, this is because they all play so well as a unit. I mean, I would, I guess I would have to go ahead and say um, Matt Barzell. I mean, Matt Barzell, he, listen, he's a guy that has, has elite skating ability, his edge work. Um, he's a zone entry monster, um, his stick handling ability. And I think we could all agree if he was on any other team, he would produce more points. But, you know, he's tried to become a more defensive player and really buy into Trotz's system. And there have been a lot of growing pains with him. Trotz isn't afraid to staple his ass to the bench if he makes a mistake. Uh, and he's talked about how he's matured over the years. Um, but, you know, if this is a guy that plays to the to top ends of his ability – um, you know, he, he really can make the Islanders that much more of a dangerous team. And, you know, Lee being back, that big body in front of the net, and also Palmieri's not afraid to go to the net too, um, create some space for him. And Palmieri could shoot the puck pretty well. And then you have Lee causing havoc in front uh, that has the makings of what could be a really productive line. So um, if Barzell's buzzing more, more often than not, I mean, that's going to make the Islanders a much more dangerous team. I do not have a specific player. See, yeah. I have I, I have an opening that hasn't been filled yet, really, that we don't know what we're going to get the answer. Talk for us for a second. And he froze. Can you get it a second? 
Hopefully he gets there. <laughs> All right. I was I was hoping Oh wait, folks folks on frozen. Okay. Yeah, I I, I guess the, the Wi Fi must have gotten crappy here. You guys can hear me, right? Yeah, no, I can hear you. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So what were you thinking? The uh, uh, it's it's the top four spot that hasn't been filled yet. It depends on what player goes there and what that defender gives them. Because right now we really we really don't have an inside track as to who that is, right? Is it Gustafson? Well, well so right now uh, Chara has been stapled to Dobson, so they're definitely going to be a pair to start this season. So that the only thing left in Fluxville is who plays with Mayfield on the left side. Right now um, it's either going to be Eric Gustafson um, or I guess – I guess Robin Salo. I mean, Andy Green hasn't even played a preseason game yet, which I think to me he might actually be the seventh guy, which I'm I'm fine with. But um, if I'm a betting man, I'm saying Eric Gustafson. And like we talked about before, I think no one has issues with his offensive game. I mean, he, he has four assists so far in like the three games he's played. It's just how he's going to be defensively. But to answer your question, it seems like Chara Dobson, Gustafson, Mayfield. Yeah, yeah and- Gustafson doesn't exactly inspire many people. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I don't really have a lot of confidence in him in his own zone and even strength. Um, as for the power play, he looks great on the power play at times. And you, like you said, he has points so far in the preseason. But it's really what he gives you in his own zone away from the puck at even strength. And, and that, to me, is going to be the most important thing because if he's an anchor on that pairing and he drags Mayfield down – then that prohibits one of your better defense, one of your three best defenders defensively, and it takes a lot away from him. So that could be an issue. So I'm I'm gonna say, I guess I'll say Gustafson at this point if that's gonna be the case. I was hoping you were gonna take one of my two guys that I had so I could figure it out. It's Adam <laughs> Pellick. Adam Pellick gets injured. This this team isn't is is in. Uh, I think they're in a lot of trouble if Adam Pellick gets injured. Yeah. He is that good defensively. And if my backup answer was going to be Pajot, because he's the matchup center that they love to use. He's their number. The Islands have three matchup centers when you really <laughs> think about it, because they'll roll out. I'm going to say in order, probably Pajot, Brock, and then Sezikis. Gee, that's a terrible lineup to throw as your matchups. But um, that's a big it, advantage. Yeah, a little bit, you think? It's, a big uh, it's sort of like when the Rangers had had uh, McDonough and Girardi, then it was Stahl and Strawman, and then it was Kevin Klein, and who who gives a crap what the last one is. John they Moore. were able to match up consistently. That's why the teams in the mid-2010s uh, were good. Back to the Islanders again. Pellick went down. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, James. Yeah. So, uh, Pellick went down in 2020 and the Islanders weren't that good. Pellick came back. They went to the conference finals. So I'm going to stick with, with Adam Pellick because <laughs> that you can't go wrong with that. That's a good, yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's family feud. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Number one out of Pellick. Survey says. <laughs> Survey says. All right, Anthony, we got to know what do you like least about this team? Oh, the, the left side defense. I mean, you know, 
and again, it's not a, like Dan Rosen said. There's not there's real no merit, glaring glaring issue. You know, every good team has has some weaknesses, and this is the one on the Islanders. The good thing though is because of the system that they play, um, they they don't you know they don't need like a absolute star on the second and third pairing on defense. Yeah, it would help, but their system helps ease the blow a little bit. But still, I definitely go there. Um, Eric Gustafson, I have no doubts in his ability to score. Score. I mean, he's not going to do six points again, but if he makes a team and, you know, because he's on a PTO, mind you. So if he signs a contract, I could see him being a 35-point guy with the right um, power play time. Uh, and then you have Char on the left side, who's looked good in camp. We all know that he keeps in really great physical shape for a guy his age. But you don't – it's tough to have a 44-year-old – no, I might make Brady's. I get his age confused with Brady. He's 40, right? 42. 42. Okay. So to have no, a, Char, I think he's older than that, right? I think he's only 42 because if I recall correctly, yeah, I think, if you if you made him 43, he'd be the rotting corpse that's in the yeah. upper left. I mean, the points oh, stand though. They're, they're left, but so to have a guy his age on the left side and then a guy like Eric Gustafson who's not the best in his own zone. Char and then, is 44. He is okay. I was he right. is 44. He's older than right. me. I doubted he myself. Um, yeah, he will be so, forty-five in March. Yeah, so to have to, to have that, um, that it's a little a little disconcerting. But I mean, that that's really that's really the thing I like least about them. Other than that, I, I think they're everywhere else. They're good. Okay, Phil. I'm gonna say the lack of a top-flight goal scorer, which has really been the Islanders' big problem for the last however many years my uncle chris is a diehard islander fan and he's been calling for them to get a legitimate top line sniper since john Tavares was drafted so uh yeah that that's my biggest thing and i know that won't be a problem during the regular season because they're extremely deep at forward and they play a hard-working game and i know barry trotz stifles it a bit but they lack a top-flight goal scorer, and that's really part of what they're going to need to get them over the hump past Tampa. So, to me, it's it's a it's a top-flight sniper. Since you you gave me since you went with that one, I'm gonna go with well. This is gonna be my answer anyway. It's a power play. Their their power play is still middle of the pack to mediocre at best. And even when it looks good, it still kind of doesn't. So if the Islanders, though, end up moving themselves into a top 10 power play, sky is the limit. Like, then they're dangerous. Then you got this hard-checking team that you're afraid to take a penalty against because that's one reason why, like, if you get a good power play, teams, not only are you afraid it's going to be in the back of the net for, because they're going on the power play, you're afraid – to do something to avoid a penalty, which opens up some ice, and then they end up putting in the back of the net anyway. So that's if that's why if the Islanders can find a way at the trade deadline, answering that question that was just on the screen below, they find a way to get Tarasenko. Ooh, that if team Tarasenko gets healthy, really yeah. scary. Yeah. Then, then I might be paying up uh, for my Stanley Cup bet that I made years ago with my friend John from all things Islanders whom we're touring the, the stadium with. Okay, Anthony, here you go. This is your moment to shine. Everything breaks, right? How far will they go? 
How far can they go? The last two years, conference finals. Last year, game seven, lose one nothing on a shorthanded goal. Um, you know, if everything breaks right, they could they can lift the cup over their heads. You know, Anders Lee can get the cup from Bettman and then hoist it. That's it. Um, it's just a matter of one, staying healthy, which is the case for all teams, um, and playing that brand of Isler hockey, you know, consistently as they've done in the last two years. Uh, you know, if you look at their, their, you know, their forward groups, one through 12, I mean, well, I could say one through nine, cause not the fourth line, but they have so many guys like Phil mentioned, they don't have that elite sniper, but their guys in their top nine, with the exception of Josh Bailey, who usually like around 11 goals, all of them probably going to score at least 20 goals. I mean, Pajot has done it before last year, 14 goals in 54 games. Um, you know, Palmieri, Nelson, Lee, Beauvillier. They could all score 20 goals. So Wallstrom, I mean, Parise, they might fall short like 15. But the point is, yeah, they, they don't have that elite score, but they have a lot of guys in their team that could score at least 20, and that and that's pretty good. Not many teams can say, you know, the top three and the top three lines, you know, seven out of those nine guys are all going to be at least at 20. Um, so they really have all the makings to really get to the cup finals again. It's just a matter of staying healthy and maybe avoiding the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is the year. I mean, they have, yeah, they have, they are an old team, but then again, they have young guys, Wallstrom, Dobson, which we haven't spoke about yet. I think Dobson can really break out this year. Um, but, you know, Sorokin, Barzell, Bovilli, they're all young, but still, this is the year where I think this is really their chance to do it. So uh, we'll see if they can, but I think that's a simple answer. If everything went right, they can win the Stanley Cup. Felk? I would say that they could be this could be every Ranger fan's worst nightmare if everything breaks right. They win the cup. To me, if I'm an Islander fan, this feels like the Rangers in 1415. Yeah. It feels like the pieces are finally getting into place. They have an they have a they have a, an answer or a question that needs to be answered, obviously, with Gustafson or whoever else ends up in that other top four spot on defense, but what what other areas are you really concerned about aside from having not having the top light sniper? I, I don't I don't see anything like Dan Rosen said. So for, for me, I think if everything goes right and in the playoffs, they get the production that they were getting up and down the lineup and it continues against a team like Tampa, then they go all the way. I'm going to have to gouge out my eyes at the end of the year if all this breaks right because I need to make sure I can't see the Islanders with that Stanley Cup. It is definitely a possibility. I don't want I don't want to admit it. I don't want to say it, but I am also someone that's covering this team now, so I'm also impartial despite what that all that memorabilia behind me says. The Islanders are are definitely on the short list of teams in the in the preseason you could ever say they're going to they can go to the Stanley Cup and lift it. So, there you go. But Anthony, what could derail a good season? Well, I got to I got to say, you know, their goaltending is one of their strengths. Um and again, I know stated before this is obvious for a lot of teams, but if an injury to Ilya Sorokin or Semyon Varlamov happen, um, you know, it could it could be bad. And this we'll talk about Varlamov. So, Varlamov um hasn't participated in training camp with the rest of the team. 
Um, I'm not sure if he's if he's skated on his own. I know Trot's referenced, you know, he's working on it. And maybe that means like off ice working out, riding bikes and stuff. Uh, he said it's something he's not concerned about. And it's more so just giving him the time now rather than rush him and then have him have to catch up during the season. He said you'd rather give that to him now. But no injury. All it said is soreness, you know, no lower body, upper body, just soreness. <laughs> I mean, we can assume that it probably has something to do with the the injury that he had that kept him out of um, starting the series against Pittsburgh. Uh, I guess that's what it is, but we, I really don't know other than just soreness. So, but if he was out an extended period of time, now you're talking Corey Schneider is the backup goalie and yeah, Corey Schneider shut out a devil B team, but let's be real. He's not really a, an NHL caliber goalie anymore. So <laughs> if Varlamov was out, that means there would be a Sorokin injury away from having Schneider as your goalie, and that would send it off the rails. Um, or even if Sorokin didn't get hurt, you don't want to burn him out. That means they're gonna you're gonna have to use Corey Schneider a little bit more. Um, so yeah, for me, it's easily this. Um, but all signs point to Varlamov, you know, being ready pretty close to the start of the year. Maybe maybe he misses the first three games or so, but. As Trot said, he's not concerned about that because Sorokin's there. So, uh, but long term, yeah, that would derail it. Philk, I'm going to go with what you said before, actually, Mark. An Adam Pellick injury. Adam Pellick is is really the the heart of that defense. And Ryan Paul, we, I know everyone likes him because he's a good two way guy, but Adam Pellick for me, is a top three defender in terms of shutdown ability in this league. Uh, I say he's probably number two behind Jacob Slavin. I think that's We're the only one. Say Jacob Slavin. Yeah, Jacob Slavin's probably my number one, but Adam Pellick is a very, very close number two. Like the gap between them is probably about that small in terms of defensive play. So um, Adam Pellick, to me, if there's another injury to Adam Pellick and there's a serious injury and he's out for some time or he's out come playoff time, that's a big wrench because now everyone else in that defensive corps has to step up and start taking minutes from, from everyone else. Do you really trust Eric Gustafson in the playoffs with more minutes and even strength with Adam Pellick down? I don't. I wouldn't if I'm not on fan. Do you trust Andy Green to come in after playing, what, 20, 10, 20 games during the regular season then all of a sudden be coming and be effective during the playoffs if he's your seventh defender? I don't know if I do at that point, and I don't know what Andy Green has left in the tank at that point. Do you expect a 44 going on 45-year-old Zidane Chara? to be able to withstand a full regular season and then an increase in minutes if there's an injury to Adam Pellick? I don't know if I do, and I don't know if I would as an Islander fan. So uh, Adam Pellick to me is is the key. I, I think he's even more crucial than if there's a Matt Barzell injury because I think the center depth down the middle can help them if there's a Matt Barzell injury. But if there's an Adam Pellick injury, there's a big problem. Well, you guys have two great answers, also because Anthony took mine and Phil, you echoed mine from before. So, pat myself on the back for a second. So now I got to be yeah, different. Go, go ahead, do it, do yeah. it, do it, yeah, do it. You know you want to. I, I, now, just to be different, I have to say, uh, J.G. Pajot getting injured, that would be it for me. It would, I, would, I would be worried about that. Because as much as it, it goes, what we said before with the defenseman, somebody else that has to slot in there. Can Michael Del Cole, who is still on the team, right, Anthony? Yeah, but he's, I would imagine he'll be put on, unless he wins that 
that 13th or 14th forward spot, he'll probably be waived. Okay. So uh, unless he's there for uh, the, to fill in, if a Pajot injury happens, I mean, I could see a couple guys that can maybe go in there, but then you're losing your, one of your matchup centers. And like we said before, the Islanders win the matchup, uh, the center battle every single night yeah. because they can, they'll go, I'll, I'll move Sezikis against this guy. I'll move Pajot against this guy. I'll move Brock Nelson against this guy. Even when they don't have the last change, they could still yeah. put and, a good and, center up against someone else's good centers. And just to so, validate your, just to validate your point there. Uh, if you remember early on in the playoffs, he, he was looking like if the Islanders won it all, he would have been their con Smythe favorite. And yep. then he hurt, and then he hurt his, he played through it. He hurt his hand, and then you saw it in Tampa. He wasn't nearly effective against Tampa as he was earlier in the playoffs. And I mean, look what happened. Yeah, and and of oh, always, whenever I talk about JG Pajot, I always got to say, screw you for the twenty uh, the twenty eighteen yes. playoffs. I will, or sorry, twenty seventeen playoffs. I'll never forget that four goal game he had against the Rangers. So in any event, um, since we're gonna be waiting for Philk anyway, oh no, he's back. Good. Uh, doesn't really matter. It's going to you first. Any, anyway, Anthony season prediction, go ahead. Well, we stated a while ago in our Metro predictions, I, I predicted them to win the Metro and, um, you know what? I mean, I, I, this would, this would break my heart and maybe it's also a little bit of, a, I'm not wanting to jinx them and saying they're going to win it all. I say they go to the Stanley Cup finals and they lose to Vegas or, or Colorado. And I'm, uh, and I'm crushed again for the third year in a row, but, um, that's, uh, <laughs> That's 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 my that's my prediction. Okay. I'm gonna say they win the division. I think they get to the conference finals again and lose again. I I I don't I don't know if I don't know if they have enough still to beat Tampa because I I still think Tampa is going to make moves at the deadline. I think they're going to get depth pieces, and I'm not saying the Islanders won't, but. I, I think Tampa, at the end of the day, the goaltending is always going to favor them. And I think the star power is really what wins in the playoffs. And that's part of why the Islanders haven't really gotten over the hump yet, because they're deep. They're very deep. But you still need those guys that take it to that very, very next level. And I love what I've seen from Anthony Beauvillier. Uh, I, as, a, as a Ranger fan, I, I hate playing against him because he seems to – elevate his game every time the the stakes get higher but there need to be more guys on that islanders team that can really do that and i don't think that they have that number one top end talent that's really capable of doing that as skilled as matt barzell is <laughs> oh oh wait hold on <laughs> um and we're going to close out with my prediction. Did you guys lose my audio again? No, 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 no. no. We, oh, we still okay. got it. No. Oh, all right. No, we, we got everything. Oh. Uh, they're going to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want it to happen, it, but it's going to happen. So why fight it? Why don't I just predict that they're going to make the Stanley Cup finals? <laughs> I could see them either losing in the second round this year, like having a setback. Or being in the Stanley Cup Finals, I'm going to lean towards the Stanley Cup Finals. 
Unfortunately, in this scenario, I'm going to say they're going to be second in the division because they're just not as good of a regular season team, say, as Carolina is, if Carolina is able to win the division. But in the scenario, that means they knock out the Rangers. So I, I really don't want that to happen because if you match up my two predictions, that is where it's going. But uh, we're going to want to know what you guys think. How far can the Islanders go? Can they be the team that represents the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup Finals? Uh, who is irreplaceable on their team? Put it all down in the comments below. We have a jam-packed show for you guys today. We have a humongous show, as Gilead would say. Humongous big, because we got bar talk to do, and let's go around the league with that. Oh, and uh, Phil, this is still going to say ATR on there. I forgot to load load up the new one. I'm going to take a shot on this one. I'm going to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. So, everybody, welcome to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we talk about NHL topics and we gauge them, our confidence in these NHL topics, based on our choice of drink. Are you going to buy everybody around because you're so confident? Are you really not that confident? I need a shot. You're a little bit depressed about it. Or, eh, I'll just have a beer. So, guys, we're going to start with the first one. I meant I alluded to this one in the Rangers preview, but... Jesse Pugliarvi of Edmonton is proof that fans need to be patient with Kapokako. Mr. John Pukowski, start us off. I mean, I get what you're getting at here. I'm going to say beer just because I think fans need to be patient with Kapokako for other reasons, most notably the coach and his usage of him. But I guess if you want to point to an example, I, I, I guess I don't mind using Yassi Pugliarvi. I, I think Pugliarvi has become a good player. I don't think he's ever going to live up to his draft uh, his draft stature, where he was taken. But he still can definitely be a good and very useful NHL player. I, I just think that uh, Capo Caco his problems were more so from the coaching and the usage of him and the way that the coach wanted to develop him as opposed to developing his offense first and then teaching him defense as they go along. So I'm going to say beer. Uh, I'm going to join you in that. I'm going to say beer too. I would love to say bye everybody around on this, but yes, David Quinn was one of the number one problems with Capo Caco, but it just also shows that, Pugliarvi has become a better player, and yes, he had hurdles to go through. I think he's 25 now, right? Pugliarvi, no. No, all right. He's, no, he's a couple he was years the, older than Kaka, right? Uh, no, no. He, he was the 2016 draft, so they're, they're five years removed, so he's 23. Okay, so there you go. And uh, I probably should have looked that up before I opened up my mouth, but oh well. Uh, but you know something? He's, he's fine in his – he's – He's finding his footing now, and uh, the, one of the analysts for the Edmonton Oilers is saying he can imagine this guy being a 40-goal scorer in the league. Now, is that on his own, or is that because he's next to Connor McDavid, which uh, a coat rack can score 40 goals uh, with <laughs> Connor McDavid? So uh, it's uh, – but, but Kako is developing. He's coming into his own 21-year-old kid when January hits. So 
everybody, let's take a breath. This Kako's going to be good, but Pugliarvi is a good example of it at the same time. So it's just a beer. Anthony. Yeah, beer as well. Um, I mean, different situations with having Pugliarvi. You know, pool party requested to be traded, and then they didn't really accommodate it for it. He played overseas, came back. Um, and you know, he's, he's been a better player, but it's not like what they did. He's not like a superstar now, all of a sudden, um, you know, Kako played on under a piss poor coach, um, a little bit different scenarios, but, um, you know, both finish. So I get it. Uh, but I mean, but overall though, I, I, you know, I, I get where you're going with it as Phil mentioned, but beer. All right. So we're going to move on to the next one and I need to make sure I have my notes on this one that I, I took down. But we need the broom icon for that one. <laughs> but the Rangers improved faceoff numbers will lead to more wins. And I'm going to start it by saying this is what I mean by the faceoff numbers. Just the preseason so far, 54% versus the Islanders, 56 versus the Bruins, 53 versus the Devils, 42 at the Bruins. One caveat out of that is they really had only Ryan Strom as their only real center and Morgan Barron as well, trying to make the team. Other than that, I mean, there weren't many guys that were taking faceoffs. But this is this is the other thing to point out. Mika Zibanejad, notoriously bad at faceoffs. 63% versus the Islanders, 58% versus the Devils. Morgan Barron, the three games that he's played, 55, 71, 70, 67. And for everybody that always says face-off numbers are overrated, face-offs equal possessions. The most critical, one of the most critical plays in the last decade for the New York Rangers was off a face-off. So, yes, face-offs translate to wins. Because I'll turn this over to Anthony right now. Do the Islanders worry about face-offs? Of course they do. Those guys win face-offs. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go beer. Uh, obviously, faceoffs are very important. I think it's an underrated um, stat in the game. People that say don't matter, don't really know the game well. Um, obviously, if you win the faceoff, you have possession of the puck. And if you have possession of the puck, chances are you're doing good things as opposed to not. So definitely helps. But um, being good in the faceoff circle doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to win the hockey game and, you know, be this good elite team. So but no, for sure, it is extremely important. And you know, if at the pick, obviously you'd, you'd want to be proficient faceoffs rather than not. Um, and it's good to see their improved faceoff percentage during the preseason. Hopefully, you know they continue it during the regular season when they're facing more, you know, NHL centers who are more seasons at it. But um, overall, uh, beer and it, it, the, the the statistic does matter a lot. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to go ahead and say round though. All right. By the way, I forgot to say I'm buying everybody around. So there it is right there. Mr. John Fulkowski. I'm with Anthony Beer. It's, okay. not, a, it's not an overrated stat. I, I believe it's becoming a little underrated. It does equal possession, but it doesn't always equal wins. Because once you get that puck, it's, it's a matter of what you do with it and how you handle it from there. So um, it'll help, but it's not a be-all, end-all. So I'm going to say Beer. All right. Moving on. To going back to the Islanders for a minute. Simeon Varlamov's injury will enable Ilya Sorokin to take over as the team's number one goalie. Go ahead, Mr. Loraco. Uh, beer for sure. I mean, I, I would go round, but I know Trotz loves his veteran so much. So even if Varlamov comes back, he'd definitely give him a chance. But, um, you know, if Sorokin, you know, starts the first, you know, let's say four or five games of the year because Varlamov's not ready, 
you know, this is a guy who hasn't played any preseason games yet and missed a lot of training camp. So, um, you know, he'll need a little bit of time. So that's why I could see Sorokin taking the first, you know, three, four or five games. But, um, you know, if he plays really well and he plays up to his potential in those games, uh, you know, and then Varlamov comes back and, you know, doesn't play as good or average, um, you know, points matter earlier in the year. So I could see Trotz, uh, you know, giving the reins to, to Ilya for a little bit. Um, so this is his chance. You know, the door is open. I know a lot of people were, were saying it might be closer to 50-50 this year in terms of a split. Um, but this is Sorokin's chance to maybe show, you know, he's the guy uh, as soon as this year, uh, which is inevitable. It's definitely going to happen. But some question whether it happens next year. But this could maybe lead to Sorokin playing a little bit more than Varlamov if he earns it. Mr. for Galaxy. I'm going to say beer, but leaning towards shot. And the only reason why I say that is because of the fact that I don't see it yet unless uh, Sorokin absolutely blows them away in net in his absence. So I, I'm I'm going to say beer here. I, I think it's, it is technically possible, but to me it's highly unlikely. I'm going to make it a clean sweep, guys, is beer. Uh, as much as I want to use the Wally Pip analogy right here, I can't help but also say it, Trotz is going to be loyal to Varlamov. He was their success story the last two seasons. He went back to Varlamov after he was not very good against Pittsburgh Penguins last year, and Sorokin basically was the reason why they got past mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Penguins. But also, Barry Trotz uses everybody on the roster. That's what Barry Trotz does. And very few guys know, know how to navigate that. He got a Stanley Cup out of Braden Holpe, who didn't start the first two games of the, the playoffs. So, that season. So, I, that's another one you kind of just can't believe. Okay. So, they've been making noise in the preseason. We have to talk about them. But the New Jersey Devils will be the surprise team of the NHL. You know what? I'm going to say beer on this. I think they definitely can be. Uh, there's there's certain factors. You just look at them and you go, yeah, I'm not sure. Is is Ryan Graves going to be uh, a, a big factor? Uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil will have a good laugh about that one later. Um, the uh, Is Dougie Hamilton going to be able to carry this team? He was a plus 50 as a Carolina Hurricane. I doubt he's going to be a plus 50 as a New Jersey devil, but yeah, I mean, Jack Hughes takes another step. They got good centers over there. They go. He sure Tartar and uh, Hughes. Tartar's a winger. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was a, I thought he was a center again. No, he's a, he's a winger. Okay. Well, shouldn't open up my mouth on that one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. I'm going to say beer. Because there are elements there that, because this is also a subjective term, surprise team. So that that could be that could be absolutely subjective. New Jersey could, but somebody else could say that another team surprised more than they did. I like their center depth at one two. I think he was his prime for a breakout. I like the addition of Hamilton. Hamilton's good, but he lacks defensively. Ryan Graves, I, I don't like him in a top pairing role, especially, and he didn't do good with Kel McCarr. And the drop off defensively from Hamilton to McCarr isn't a big drop off. Hamilton's not that great defensively. 
And the Devil fans are going to see this sooner than later. So I I would say that they can. I don't know if they are going to be the surprise team. Can they surprise? Yes. I don't know if they're going to be the biggest surprise, though. So beer. I really shouldn't have said Tara was a center. (laughs) 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 Anthony? Um, I'm... (laughs) I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be improved, um, but I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna go shot here. Um, I I think they're still gonna miss the playoffs. I think quite handily, um, despite being better. But I, for me, I, I think I think Chicago is gonna surprise. I think they're gonna be the surprise team. Um, I mean, they're, I think they're gonna be a lot better of a team. Um, I mean, this is no knock on Jersey. Uh, they are, like I said, they are going to be improved. But to say they're going to be this, the the surprise team in the NHL kind of implies, you know, maybe they make the playoffs or uh, this or that. But I don't really see it yet with them. So, shot. All right. All right. So now we're going to shift to go around the league right now. And, oh, God, this saga. I just want this saga to end. The Calgary Flames will be a key team in the Jack Eichel saga. This comes from a statement Elliot Freeman made this week. Anthony, we'll start with you. Yeah, and I saw that Freeman tweet how they kind of, you know, in the midst of it there for a while. Um, and I have no reason to doubt him. You know, he's one of the best. So I, I you know, can't really sit there and say he's wrong. Um, but realistically, I, I just, I don't, I don't see them being the team that gets that gets Eichel. I mean, who, I mean, pr- prospect wise, um, they don't have any really like standout elite prospects. Um, yeah. They have some younger guys. I mean, Sean Monahan, maybe some interest to Buffalo. Uh, then you have, you know, Elias Lindholm's a pretty good young score, but I mean, really are they going to move him? Um, Goudreau is a set to be an unrestricted free agent. So I don't think he has much value to Buffalo. Um, I mean, Matthew Kachuk could be a key piece. He's a good young player, but I mean, no. do they? I don't really see them moving him. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, so, despite what Elliot says, uh, and they were in it, I don't see them being players here for Eichel, or, or ultimately ending up with them. I should say. So, I'm going to say shot. Philk, shot for the same reasons. And uh, I, I believe it was Friedman himself that reported on the asking price for Matthew Kachuk however many months back. And they said the asking price on him was, quote unquote, astronomical. That was the exact word used. So I don't see how Matthew Kachuk will be available at all. Eliza Lindholm is another one that I don't think would be available. So what assets does Calgary have to acquire Jack Eichel with? Matthew Coronado, a first-round pick, and what else? Val Hockey? Who, who, else are, who else are they sending? They don't really have anything else to send. And everybody's talking about, oh, well, the Rangers, uh, they all their prospects are untouchable. Even their next-level down players, like your Kravtsovs and so on, they're still miles better than anything Calgary has right now to offer. So I, I don't see it. I'm saying shot, and I'd be surprised if they were back in it again because 
Sean Monahan is going to have no interest to Buffalo. He has, I think, two years left on his deal, including this one. And I don't see how he would have any interest to a Buffalo team, especially with the two or three down years in a row that he's had. So, hot shot. Let's make it a queen. Uh, just did it again. Let's make it a clean sweep again. <laughs> it's a shot. It's a shot. It's definitely a shot. It's um, there's no way you guys outline the prospects. Let's go from the Calgary side. They got less than a million dollars worth of cap space. How the hell are you fitting a $10 million player in there? You have to send Buffalo retaining. That, that ain't happening. And well, then- Buffalo might, Buffalo might have to retain in, in a deal. If, if that situation arises, because remember Buffalo's got to stay above the salary floor. They're probably about, I think, four million or so from it. So they have to take back a significant amount of salary in any deal that they make. If they were taking back any salary, Jack Eichel would have been gone by now. And again, this is nothing. This is definitely nothing against Elliot Freeman. He's one of the best in the business, and uh, it's just I, I just don't see it. I would love to find a way that it could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. So. We're going to move on. Uh, the next one. Spencer Knight will be the Panthers' number one goalie by Thanksgiving. John, start with you. I'm going to say beer. Uh, I could be only because of the fact that I think that Sergey Bobrovsky uh, rebounds this year. They're going to have a better team in front of him. The defense is going to be healthy. I know Yandel's gone, but they're going to have a healthy roster in front of him. Mackenzie Weger has, has turned into one of the better defenders in the entire NHL. Aaron Ekblad will be back. Like I said, I know Yandel's gone, but they're going to have bodies that'll come in and play good defense in front of them. A- Anton Lundell, I think, will be over. Uh, I, I think that they're going to have a... Re- you want to talk about deep forward groups? Florida's forward group is one of the absolute deepest in the entire NHL right now. We talked about Tampa's, and Tampa lost basically their entire third line with Goodrow, Coleman, and Gordon. Florida might have the deepest forward group in the entire NHL if it's not for maybe, I would say, Carolina and the Islanders. I think those are the three deepest forward groups in the NHL right now. So I I don't see Bobrovsky having another year that bad to the point where Spencer Knight takes over the job, but it's more than possible that in his time, in his games, that he shows them that they have to move Bobrovsky sooner than later somehow. So I'm going to say beer. Anthony. I'm going to go beer. Um, Bobrovsky could be pretty inconsistent up and down. The Panthers probably to them have cup aspirations or at least challenge to win the division. So Bobrovsky is being sometimes his erratic, inconsistent self. And then Spencer Knight's coming in and playing poised and winning games. Um, you know, he might force their hand to give Knight more of a share and goal. But um, I do think, like Phil said, Bobrovsky probably will be better. Um, so that will probably be enough to hold off Knight for now. But, I mean, the writing's on the wall here. Spencer Knight's they're going to be their future number one goalie. They're going to probably kick themselves for being locked into that contract for Borowski. It's not good. And it's going to be really – I mean, when it comes down to it, if they decide to have to move him, that's going to be really hard to move him at his price tag and age. I mean, uh, I don't know <laughs> how they'll pull that off, but I think sooner than later they're going to have to make that decision. 
Uh, you know what? I'm going to go shot. I really like Spencer Knight, and I really think he's going to be, he's definitely going to be the number one goalie eventually. And maybe not this season. Maybe not really before Thanksgiving. Outside chance by Easter, uh, I would say. But uh, they're going to give Bobrovsky another shot. Now, he did sort of lose his number one job to Drager last year, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I got to go with, I got to go with the, the shot on this one. Mark Andre Fleury will keep the Blackhawks in playoff contention this season. I'll start this one, guys. Shots. Uh, I really like Mark Andre Fleury, despite how much absolute crap I talk about him, uh, especially uh, in the in the last six years. But he's been he's the reigning Vezina Trophy winner. But you're going from Vegas who was a stout defensive team with great structure to the Chicago Blackhawks and their amoeba style of play that Jeremy Colleton plays. And it's, um, it's like a shooting gallery every single night. God help the goalies that are in there. I, I, I just, I don't think he, he, I don't think he alone could, could, could keep that going. They got Seth Jones now. That's good. But I just don't think it's going to be enough. And that division is very tough. So I went shot. Oh, Anthony. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go opposite here, my friend. All right. I'm gonna say round the reigning Vesna Trophy at his age. He still got the goods in goal. Um, you know, Seth Jones is there on defense. Uh, he's there with his brother Caleb. Some family ties there. Um, you know, the defense as a whole, it's it's not the best, but I think Seth Jones goes a long way in stabilizing that. And then you also have Captain Sirius back in the lineup. Uh, he will help out. Um, you know, so they'll be a better team. Kirby Docks had an injury riddled year. He's another year older. Um, I think he's going to obviously chip in for them. Patty Kane's still playing at a high level. Um, and then you have guys like Kurashev who had a really strong rookie year. Uh, you know, Dominic Kubalik is, had, is developing. Kubalik is going to really developing to a really good goal scorer for them. Um, Brennan Hagel, the rookie, also had a good year last year. They get these guys – they feel like they always have got plucked these guys out of nowhere that have come in and contributed. Um, so I think they're overall, they're going to be a better team. And then obviously Flurry's kind of the icing on the cake there in goal. Cause I know Lankinen was pretty good at times, but this is, you know, this is a cup winning guy in flurry um, just has that common, that calmness about him. Um, you know, sometimes you, you see him smiling behind his mask. I think that goes a long way with the young guys on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like more important, like I just said, I think he has, a lot left in the tank. So, round. All right, Philk. I was initially going to say shot, but I was thinking about this and the way that you worded it, and I, I thought more about it as the both of you guys are speaking. And I, I, I'm actually going to say round because you're not saying that he is the reason, yes. but you're saying he's one of them, and I totally agree with that. Because that top, that top four unit in Chicago, that defense corpse, is not good. It's Seth Jones, and then you have Connor Murphy, Jake McCabe, and mm. Calvin Dahan. Are you really expecting good top four minutes out of those three? And, and listen, uh, Connor Murphy's good. Connor Murphy's solid. But if Connor Murphy is anything more than a number four, you have some problems on defense. And same for Jake McCabe. Jake McCabe is probably a good number five, maybe a number four. And Dahan. 
he's been an injury case ever since the Islanders drafted him when he was playing in junior. He had, he had shoulder problems then, shoulder problems on the island. I mean, he, he seems to never, almost never stay healthy. So I really wonder about their defensive depth. But Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be part of the reason why that the, the Blackhawks stay in playoff contention. That forward group is really going to help them too. You look at that roster up and down or forwards. It's Taves coming back. Kane is still Kane. Then you have Dylan Strom, who could rebound, especially with the, the loaded talent that they have around them up forward. They brought in Tyler Johnson. Yes, I know Tyler Johnson is not going to be the 2015-2016 the Tyler Johnson mm-hmm. yet. You, you don't need him to be. Then, you know, Anthony talked about Brandon Hagel before. You have Dominic Kubelik, who could still end up being a 30-goal scorer, 50-plus point guy there. You have guys up and down that line of Kirby Doc taking the next step, which I think could happen. Anthony mentioned Phil Kurashev. I mean, Jujar Kyra brought in for fourth line minutes, and that's another uh, thing that Chicago had trouble with is bottom six depth last year and in, in previous years. They lacked depth. Now it looks like they have more of a complete forward group. I think that forward group is very good. I think they're they're going to be an underrated group. I think they're going to surprise people. So between them and Flurry, yeah, I think those two things can help keep the Blackhawks in a playoff race. I don't think they get a spot, but they can definitely keep them in a playoff race up until a later part of the season. As you mentioned to Caleb Jones, I came back to the the thought uh, yeah. when the Edmonton originally traded him, uh, and the the thought was. Hey, uh, we at least have your brother come play for us. <laughs> I was like, that sounds more like a hostage negotiation than a recruitment. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Cole Caulfield will score more goals than Kirill Kaprizov. John? Ooh. I like this one. This one's interesting because it actually really makes you think. Um, I'm going to say beer, I'm, I, but I'm leaning towards shot. Just because I think Kirill Kaprizov has the potential to put 40 up this year because he was on pace for 40 last year. And he's only a year more experience. He's going to have even more chemistry with Matt Zuccarello and, and, and Rask. And that that line is one of the better lines in the entire NHL. Kirill Kaprizov, the, Kirill the thrill, they call him that for a reason. So uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say shot. You know, I, I oh. think Kaprizov gets 30, 35, I think maybe even close to 40. I think Caulfield goes somewhere between 25 and 30. Anthony? Um, beer. But it, uh, I'm, I was close to doing shot, but I, I'm going to give Caulfield his due. Goal Caulfield, they call him for a reason. <laughs> um, the, guy's, the guy's got a really, for a small guy, he's got a really good shot. And he's got, really, and yeah, and he's got he's got really quick hands. Yeah. Um, so that's not a knock on him, uh, but I just think Kaprizov's that good. I, I would do bad things to have him on my team. Um, you know, he's <laughs> he's. Yeah, I got real dark real quick. Yeah, <laughs> and not, and not, uh, not only can he <laughs> score, but Kaprizov's Kaprizov's a, a a pretty good playmaker too, um, and he's just got that. Panarin-esque dynamic to him. He's fast, shifty, um, and you know this is a guy that you know this. I think he's the guy that some fans thought Nikita Gusev was going to be. Like Kaprizov is is 
that yeah. good. He's he's uh, yeah. People got got it wrong on him. But to be fair, Gusev had a couple like I think he had like an eighty-something point year in the KHL one year, and I understand why people thought he was going to be really good. But um, Kaprizov is that good. He's the real deal. We saw it last year. Wild fans could breathe a sigh of relief that they have him locked up. But uh, yeah, I think Kaprizov's going to outscore Caulfield, but. Caulfield's gonna is gonna battle for the call of the trophy, no doubt. Yeah. Once again, to quote Letter Kenny after Anthony said it, to be far. So um <laughs> y- you know something I'm gonna say shot on this. Uh and, and there is history of guys, especially first round guys, that come in from the NCAA, do well, and then kind of get there in the playoffs specifically and then get their first taste of regular season and it doesn't work out so well fan club over there chris Kreider is the guy that i'm pointing to he went from (laughs) he went from six goals in the 2012 playoffs to three i believe in 2013 in that half season with the coaching part of that has to do with his own play and also part of that yeah there's there's so many factors that go in there Caulfield's going to be on the top line, we think, with Suzuki. He will be. And so maybe 20, 25. I mean, that's not unreasonable to, to say that for an elite rookie. Yep. On the other hand, Kirill Kaprizov, I, I'm with I'm with Phil. He's going to score 40. So. Yeah, he's all sorts of ridiculous. And one other, th- one other little side note I'll say, just because – I brought his name up before and we're talking about the teams. Matt Zuccarello just has such an uncanny tendency to be able to play with high-skilled players and not look out of place at all. He just yeah. – he could fit with anybody you could throw him with. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's why Ranger fans, we always loved Matt Zuccarello. And he really – it took him to – Almost two full seasons to to realize his full potential. He really started coming into his own the final month of the 2013 season when yeah. uh, the Rangers acquired Derek Broussard. And then the after playoffs. that, yeah, and then the playoffs that year. Yeah. This one, we could say, is a John Falkowski special, even though I know he didn't write it. Someone else besides Connor McDavid, who will go in my draft as number one when I pick him in about four and a half hours, will win the Art Ross Trophy. John? Are you guys trying to troll me? Like, really? <laughs> is, that, is that the point of this? Because we, we know McJesus is winning the Art Ross Trophy. He's going to win another. He, he's he's going to win it. He's going to win it by, I would say, a considerable amount, especially after the season he just had last year. The only two players that stand in even remote chance of taking that scoring trophy from him, provided he doesn't get injured, I should say, are Leon Dreisaitl mm-hmm. and Nathan McKinnon. And that's it. So I'm going to say shot. And good luck finding me the next coming of – Jesus on a hockey rink that can do what Connor McDavid does because Connor McDavid is going to further cement himself towards a Hall of Fame and possibly top five player of all time resume this season with adding another Art Ross trophy. 
I'm going to jump in ahead of this one, Anthony, only to say the word shot. But technically speaking, if Philk wants to do that, I have to use this one because the other one is uh, not visible. But if Philk <laughs> wants to use the term Jesus, technically every single hockey player walks on water. So <laughs> it's just something I can't actually, and they tend to run on water. So it's just, um, I, I, you know, there's, there's no David doesn't David, run or David, walk healthy, on water. David. He, he doesn't run or walk on water. He flies on it. He glides <laughs> on it. Anthony. This is no knock on, no offense to Dreisaitl and, McD- and McKinnon because they're outstanding players, but it's shot. I mean, McDavid, the guy scored, you know, over 100 points in 56 games this year. Um, I shudder to think what he's going to do this year in a full 82, but, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Unless – Unless McDavid got got hurt and missed significant time, um, I just don't see it happening. The the CCM stands for Connor Connor McDavid. <laughs> That's what it should stand for. It does not stand for that, but since he is a CCM guy, head to toe, all of his equipment, it, it should stand for Connor Connor McDavid. All right, guys, and I don't know if you were able to watch some of it, but TNT had their first hockey game this week. And uh, Kenny Albert was on it, uh, Brian Boucher and Keith Jones, who we interviewed uh, two weeks ago. But uh, ESPN's hockey coverage will grow the game further. Anthony. Yeah, I mean, round. It's another it's an it's an outlet that never traditionally carried hockey. So um, probably get more views on the sport. And also, don't forget about ESPN. I think that's going to do wonders for the league, too. But having a. TNT coverage, you know, TNT plays, you know, um, has a lot of wrestling on it. Uh, I believe NBA games. So maybe you get some NBA fans and maybe catch a hockey game and, you know, really see their eyes on it and, you know, start to gain interest in the league that previously didn't. Um, so it's a great thing for the league. I think they have a lot of person personalities on that broadcast to make it fun. Um, you know, Brendan Burke's going to be one of the play by play guys on that, on this outlet. And he's one of the best, um, I think they picked. Yeah, I think they picked a good crew, um, and I I think there's no question that it's going to help grow the game of hockey. Felk. Oh, round. Yeah, I I, I'm buying everybody beers. What 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 are you guys drinking? Because I'm I'm buying for everybody. I'm (laughs) buying for everybody in the comment section too. (laughs) So, um, yeah, this is this is great to have hockey on another big time major network. And as a wrestling fan that watches AEW, that will be watching AEW later on tonight at 8 p.m. on TNT, AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays, they will now be moved to TBS because of the NHL. And I don't mind that at all as a wrestling and hockey fan. So give me more wrestling and hockey. And you know me, I'm the one that bridges the two together on this channel as much as I possibly can. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm buying everybody's rounds on this. And I I can't wait to see their coverage. Like Anthony said, uh, my idol is a part of that crew. I cannot wait to see Wayne Gretzky. I know everybody says, oh, the guy has a personality of dry cardboard. You know what? (laughs) Put him in front of a camera and let him talk and let people sit there in astonishment at the, the, at the knowledge that he can drop here and there. And you know what? He may have 
the personality, that, that that type of very dry, dry personality, but he will still amaze and astonish people, and he will still bring viewers in because he's Wayne friggin' Gretzky. He is God. I'm going to buy everybody around on this, too. Uh, there's so many reasons that I'm going to say with that. I like their... I like their play-by-play and their analysts that they got lined up. NBC did a good job, I thought. Let, they did. Well, let me just say that. I thought NBC still did a good job. Uh, except for, of course, hiding uh, the Senators and the Buffalo Sabres in 2007. And promoting the game. And 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 promoting it. They, they didn't promote it enough. And especially on a, on a network that has the number one uh, program every single week in or the year in Sunday night football. That being said, I think it was just the first broadcast, but TNT will definitely show their personality and they still got two secret weapons to unleash on the NHL fans because I'm telling you guys, I've said this before. I'll say it again. My dream scenario is Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley as guest analysts. I, I, I salivate at that idea either for Barkley to come around and just say they were terrible or, um, or, or Shaq to just, just go full Shaq. However you want to say it. Can I get an Alex Goldberg? That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> and, and again, and, and the NHL has a chance to show off their personality with their guys. And there's plenty of it. Uh, I, they didn't, they didn't let Jeremy Roenick let, let loose. TNT is the one I think that could actually let loose. Yeah. ESPN's gonna still kind of stay more towards the middle. TNT, yeah, they could actually like just just let her rip. Yeah. All right, so Wayne freaking Gretzky, that's right. And by the way, another thing about about um Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky is really like oh he's got the personality of what'd you say before sandpaper? It was dry cardboard. Dry cardboard. No, he just says a lot of nice things. That's what Wayne Gretzky does. Wayne Gretzky isn't one to take a controversial He's take. not Jeremy Roenick. Don't expect him to be Jeremy Roenick, and he doesn't have to be Jeremy Roenick. What he has to do is just sit there and talk and drop knowledge, and people are going to come to the TV anyway because that's who he is. He's he's the man. He right? is God. He's the, he's the greatest athlete ever, the most dominant. Well, guys, what do you think about all these topics that we have on here? Uh do you think face-offs are going to equal wins? Do you think Pugliarvi is a, a great example for Ranger fans to be patient on Capo Caco? Do you think Sorokin is going to be the Islanders' number one goaltender? Do you think Spencer Knight is going to become the number one goaltender of the Florida Panthers? Can the Jack Eichel saga ever end? Put it all down in the comments below. We love hearing from you because that's what we love to do. And yes, during the season, we're going to actually do more of these shows all the time. We're running it about two hours, so uh, I actually have an editorial that I'll I'll go first. I'll let you guys decide whether or not you want to jump in on this. But it's time it's time for an episode of On the Mark. As soon as I can find it, this prediction that's right up here. I just yell at Larry Brooks like Larry every Brooks other year. Every like, other Anybody else pick up an echo on that? Uh, I think a tiny bit. Okay. Well, eh, it doesn't really matter. When I edit it, it's going to be a little bit different. But, okay, look, I understand don't 
make opinions based off the internet. And I understand just a tweet is a tweet. That's about it. But oh my God, Pavel Buchnevich scored for the St. Louis Blues. And I had the, and I saw so many people going, I'm not going to cry about this. I'm not going to cry. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch. Shut the hell up. Really? Is everybody now a fan favorite? I remember, I remember when the Rangers lost Colin Blackwell in the expansion draft. That There were people saying, oh, well, the Rangers, uh, Colin Blackwell was a real good player. He played, like, he scored 12 goals. I want to say he played 27 games, but I'm not even sure if that's enough. Yeah. 12 goals. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, Daniel Gonneau had about the same numbers in his career as a New York Ranger. And 10 of that was in one season. So does that mean that he was the big, the big guy that was – the one that got away too. He never did anything else with the rest of his career. So it's just, and again, I, and again, I like Pavel Buchnevich. And it's just, I made this call from last year. The Rangers were in a situation, salary cap wise and development wise, where Pavel Buchnevich was probably going to have to go. You weren't going to keep Lafreniere, Kako, and Kratzoff on the third and fourth lines forever. What are you going to do? Buchnevich really had one good season that made us all go, wow, this guy has really finally arrived and he's and he's really doing it. But instead, I mean, and you know what? He's deserving of admiration, but not so much to the point of, and, and again, I had that same reaction. I still don't like Glenn Anderson because Mike Gartner was my guy. He was at least a Ranger for five years, made the All-Star game, and in two of those seasons, just two of them combined. He had more goals than Pavel Buchnevich in his career as a New York Ranger. So can we all just take a grip? Because at the same time that I'm seeing fans that all want to go, oh, I'm so sorry, Pooch is gone. You're killing Chris Kreider, and he's been on this team for eight years, nine years. And he's done a lot more. Did did, did Buchnevich score a goal to stave off elimination? Did Buchnevich, I mean, and again, I understand the, the disappointment of Chris Kreider, but you know what? Game five and game six versus the Capitals. There you go. He has an overtime goal to his win, okay, uh, to his credit. Buch, Buch doesn't have those memories. He was inserted into the lineup in 2017 and to, to kind of help them get past the Montreal Canadiens, but that was about it. I mean, Again, I like Pavel Buchnevich. I wish him nothing but the best in St. Louis. And if there was no Lafreniere, no Kratzoff, and yeah, Kreider didn't sign the contract. But just, come on, guys. Is everybody going to be a fan favorite now? Are we going to have uh, Are we going to have a video tribute for Colin Blackwell when he comes back? Oh showing, showing how he got empty net goals and tip-ins because he was playing with Panarin last year? Come on. Is is in and if if I'm being off base, guys, throw it in the comments below. No, it, it's just not everybody's a fan favorite anymore. What? Come on. Was it like that would be like if Anthony Anthony? Can you name a New York Islander that was hot for like a week that you're like, oh, hey, this guy's gonna be great, and then you heard nothing from him the rest of his career? Um, I mean, last one I could last one I could think of was probably like. Who? The apparent though, Mark, Mark Parrish. Mark, Mark uh, Parrish, I think, was a better player than that. But I mean, yeah. Mark, Parrish, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, Mark Parrish had that ridiculous October 2001. 
And yeah. he had the 2001-2002 season where he had 30 goals because of that ridiculous start. And he was never the same player ever again. And then, you know, we, I think that would be like the one guy I could think of where I'm like, okay, like he's a good player, but he's not a great player. And and I, I remember Islander fans kind of taking that loss kind of hard, you know? Brett Howden Knight, a real tearjerker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just guys, just everybody can't be a fan oh favorite. Yeah, I get you. I get your point. I mean, I guess with Bushnevich is a lot of the, the the trade didn't really make a lot of people happy. So I think that heightens the whole sensitivity to like when they whenever they see Bushnevich do something good with St. Louis now, they're gonna lose their minds and stuff. But yeah, you know. I, I, I get that. What was it this past week or was it the week before where I had the rant about the bar being set low? I think it was last yeah, week. Right? It was it, it was I think it was last week where the bar was set low. By the way, just to address this, Rich, you're right. I, I do it for the show, but I also wear my fandom on my sleeve too. So yeah, like like I, I see that's the thing. And, and and we I know we talked about the the sorry, I, I was clicking this one. Uh Molson was an Islander player that disappeared afterwards. But that's the thing, though. You, you, like, and that's why I said what I said because a lot of these fans are they're crying over Colin Blackwell, and they're crying over like. And I get it. Matsu Gorello was a little worse because Matsu Gorello actually played very well for this team for an extended period of time. Pro, I mean, you look at it: 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and nineteen. Zuccarello was and he was there for longer but he he had six pretty good seasons with the rangers and i don't like the butch damage trade either i ripped them for that and I, I still think it's a bad trade but the way that the fans are acting is like the sky is falling like could you imagine how social media ranger social media would have been had they been around for the brian leach trade when brian leach was traded Oh or, my goodness! Or, or, or when Mark Messier was let go to Vancouver in 1997. Or here's a better one because this would have really made every Ranger fan online irate when they traded Adam Graves to San Jose after a season in which his father and son died in the same week in the 2000 2001 season, like. How how would these fans have reacted back then? And then it's funny because the same fans that some of them, I should say, not all of them, but some of the same fans who were blasting Pavel Buchnevich and talking all this crap about Sammy Blay, all of a sudden turn around and like, oh, Sammy Blay, now he looks like he's a pretty good player because he could he could score a goal in front and then score in a shootout like that. Like and, God, and also, you didn't even give this guy a chance, and now all of a sudden you're you're you're, you're flip flopping on him because of a preseason game. Like, and also going back in, in if you go back through our our ridiculous. videos, the Buchnevich one actually got a uh, a lot of views, and it originally started where I was trying to piece together why they got so little for Buchnevich. The and again, Sammy Blay. I like Sammy Blay. I've liked Sammy Blay all along. Moving on from that. When we had Marty Biron come on, Marty Biron was the guy that said, look, you're going to get less for a restricted free agent because you have to sign the player. That puts it all into perspective. 
So you're not getting Jack Eichel for the rights to Pavel Buchnevich, for no. instance. No. But it's just, and apparently, I think Anthony. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony I think, in the back out or something. Oh, no. It's, you know, we're, we're starting to get to 630 right now. And we're probably going to go uh, about another 20 minutes at the most. Uh, yeah. But again, it's it's just it, look again. It's great to have favorite players. Alexa Kovalev was traded away and and then traded back to the Rangers and then traded away again. So it's he's another one that you look over and go, oh, it's great. But I mean, I, I, I see some of these things online where guys are like, oh. Oh, uh, my, my booch. Well, guess what? Players have to go sooner or later. I know there's going to be a day Chris Crowder leaves the New York Rangers. I had to watch Ryan Callahan with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I had to watch Brian Leach return as a Boston Bruin. And it's, and obviously we, we all sat through Messier. And I was at Graves' return, by the way, um, when he came back with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, yeah. And he had a goal. So, again, yeah, I, again, I just the, the, the reactions to these things just make me just like I said, leave me to believe that the bar is set very, very, very low. And that's why when I, I laugh, when people say stupid things like Messier is overrated, like, are you kidding me? Stop. Stop it. So. Thank you, by the way. Yeah, always. But, always uh, in, and, but by the way, Johnny Red brought up the ultimate. The, the ultimate fan tribute of all time, which is Eddie Jockerman. Eddie, Eddie Jockerman, yeah. Eddie Jockerman, there was no social media. There was no. th- there was a five-day turnaround between him being acquired by the, the Detroit Red Wings and then being the New York Rangers, uh, playing against the New York Rangers. It's just I, – I, look, the Garter crowd – and again, once a Ranger, always a Ranger. Somewhat that follows oh. – I mean, nobody's really reflecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe, you're right about that. And just, I remember that too. Yeah, it's just, and it's Oscar just... Winberg did nothing with the rest of his career. Yeah. But yeah, and in, yeah, he could have signed him to a bridge deal. You're right about that. But even at that, if you have Buchnevich on the team, what are you doing with Kratzoff? What are you doing with, with Lafreniere? What are you doing? And I just totally Frenched out his name again. What are you doing with with Capo Caco? These guys need to grow. You what don't. A plan. Here's the, here's the problem, though, and, and, and I'll say it again: it, the Chris Kreider extension is the reason why Pavel Butchnevich is not here. That's it. That's it. What it comes down to, because if Chris Kreider's not there, Pavel Butchnevich is your first line right winger with Alexi Lafreniere on your second uh, on your uh, your top line left wing with Mika Zibanejad. Your second line is Panarin, Strom, and Kako, or Kravtsov. And then your third line looks like Hedl, Goudreau, and Kravtsov there, I would say, or Kako, whichever one ends up slotting into that role. My question so, will be, is there enough sandpaper on that, uh, in that lineup? I don't know. My question is, is there enough sandpaper from Chris Kreider on a night-to-night basis? Unfortunately, that's no. one of the criticisms I can't argue with. No, uh, yeah, by the that, way, that's the problem. And Johnny's right about this. They cheered the whole game for De- for Detroit to win, and anytime Eddie made a save, but they also booed when the Rangers scored on Eddie. I believe it was Walter Kachuk that scored on Eddie and turned around and went, "What the hell?" I mean, and again, you know what, Matt, you're right about this one too. Cam Talbot, 
there are Ranger fans that sounded like they we traded away John Van Beesbrook. No, uh, I I don't. I I remember the fans being annoyed and not getting enough for him, which I, I get it. They I'm in agreement they, with that. I, I I get it. They they didn't play that situation right. Um, that was I believe uh, Sather's last real folly, if you will. They just they kind of overplayed their hand on that, and that was it. But. Yeah, I, I I just I remember the fans were annoyed with that. And I'm totally fine with that because they didn't get enough. They really they could have if they could have they could have played that more considering that he had a year left on his contract. But they totally overplayed their hand and misplayed the market. Yeah. And again and again, look, I'm when I'm making this critique, I'm not making a critique against Pavel Buchnevich. I'm just saying, guys, there are there are players that have done much more for the New York Rangers over the last. Hell, we'll go with the last 10 years. Any did anybody cry when we lost Derek Brassard? Derek Brassard went on to Ottawa and even scored a goal against the Rangers, a key goal in the 2017 playoffs. And fans were still not thinking, oh my god, Derek Brassard. And since then he's gone on uh, mixed reviews from when he's gone yeah. on and, and yeah. done after that. I mean, I mean I don't know. It, it, it just, I'm not going to sit here and continue to slam Ranger fans for these overreactions. Oh, I'm not slamming it, it, Ranger fans. I'm just no. saying. And by the way, the worst part is the viewer retention is going to be way down on this. And everybody's going to see me slamming Ranger fans and not realizing. No, it's just, just again, what's not set the bar so low for fan favorites. Because I, I I agree with you. It, it just it, it's a different time though. Uh, that that's the problem. I, I I I honestly I think the next wave of players is going to be the ones where we really get the fan favorites. Your Lafreniere's, your Kakos, your Foxes, your your Panarin. Obviously, I mean those are the guys that those are the guys that you're really gonna you know make a big deal about when they start to leave. So. Yeah. But let, let's let's move on and take some uh, some Q and A here because yeah, I know you wanted to go for like maybe another twenty minutes, but we we just took up I would say probably close to ten minutes right there with that. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that. By the way, no, am I right. wrong about fan favorites? Throw it down in the comments below. And also, by the way, there's one guy that scored fifty points that nobody cares about is going to be making his return to the Garden this year with another sweater on. So I'll just leave it at that. That social media kind of doesn't talk fondly about him. So, yeah, let's take some questions, guys, because we got about 10, 15 minutes because the game is coming on in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is Jones making the team over Nils? Uh, no. I don't think there's a chance of that. Dan Rosen was on with us last week basically saying the same thing. I agree with Dan. I don't think there's a chance. That's a left side thing. Uh, Nils and Jones are left and right side defenders. So, uh, big blue blue shirts. No, my friend, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I got, I got to go with that one too. I still think you're, you're getting your top prospect over here. You're playing them. You're not just going to stick them on the fourth line with no. Brett Howden. Brats off. And um, <laughs> I like that. It's I like just, that. Come on, it just yeah, you, yeah, you got to play it. By the way. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just address a comment before we go forward because I saw a couple of good ones down there, but I want to get back to this one. Yeah, and not only that, Matthew, but they also got Ryan Strom out of it. 
because they traded Ryan Spooner for Ryan Strom. So just remember I that. I didn't even think about that for a second. Yeah. Mark, I, I think you might be looking at the same one that I have, but I'm going to pull this one up. Will Baron be the first call up from? Yeah. He, and yes. Yes, AZ, he probably will be. I wouldn't be surprised if Baron ends up being like the extra one of the extra forwards to play fourth line center. Yeah. Like right away. Um, I think they'll stick him in Hartford, though, because they would rather him play top minutes than play as a 13th forward. And I think that's I think that's fair. I, I think that's smart, too. Um, This one, not so yeah. related to hockey. <laughs> See, you this is the good thing too. about letting you do it, because you know exactly where my eyes are going, I think. No, just I, I this seems like every place, though, Rich. Every place with these $15 beers, it's ridiculous. It's like they almost don't want you to drink at games. Yeah. Like, okay, so then I'll just get loaded in the parking lot beforehand. Thanks. Yeah, then it becomes football. Yeah, nice. Basically. Everybody gets loaded in the parking lot and then goes on in. Yes, Jeff Gordon for Zabanajad was a steal, and we do know what Zabanajad's potential was. And also later on in the year, I talked about the Buchnevich being inserted into the lineup versus the Montreal Canadiens. And Zabanajad having the OT winner in game five of that series. Yeah. But, uh, the Chris Kreider attempted pass that somehow got to him anyway, despite being deflected. That still counts. Still yeah, counts. I know it counts. <laughs> yeah, I know it counts. But I just had to point that out. Um, do we think that they package Jones, Keandre, and Heedel for first? Um, I, I would move Keandre Miller. And the reason why we move Keandre Miller is because I don't know if he ever truly gets the position of defense down. And if he does, could he turn into something like Brent Burns where he can go back and forth between forward and defense and he's a, he's a huge threat? Sure. But it could also go the other way and he ends up being a disaster on defense and just doesn't you know do anything. I would hold on to Jones. Because I know Jones can run a power play. I don't think Miller will ever really run a power play. I, I, I really don't. Um, I think Hebel is definitely a candidate to be moved. Uh, I definitely think uh, a first-round pick, obviously, is going to be in there. But, yeah, uh, I, I don't um, I don't like the idea of moving Jones over Miller. Yeah, um, Matthew's 100% right on that one, by the way. Gorton trades are either really good or a complete miss. We're going to find out yeah. very soon if the Ryan McDonough trade is a, a complete miss, which is weird when you talk about that there were four players in that trade uh, because it was, and this is the one that, that he was talking about, Matt was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, there were four players in that trade, Vladimir Mastikoff, Brett Howden, Lieber Hayek, and a, and a first-round pick. The first round pick, they ended up trading up a second round pick in order to uh, wait. Sorry, the first round pick of that one was Nels Longquist. Yeah, it was Nels Longquist, the yeah. trade that they traded up and got uh, Calendar Miller. But yeah. Um, and by the way, tailgating before games is great. So yeah, just, I, I I would love to be able to do that, but you can't really do that at the Garden as a Ranger fan because there's really nowhere to park. Right. So you know, we do. You go to the neighboring bars. We did that ourselves. Yeah. We were at Stout when we did our our thing. Yeah, and uh, we went to go out afterwards for a little bit. Didn't get much to do, but still was a fun time. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to say that I like what I saw from Matthew Robertson, except getting completely walked by Brad Marchand in that Bruins game. But then again, if I'm complaining about a guy who arguably is a top 10 player in the league, oh, well. <laughs> I don't think he's ready yet. I, I think he needs to do a lot of work. Um, I'd be shocked if you saw him this season. I think maybe next year, okay, depending on his progress. I think he doesn't have NHL speed yet. He's he's a good skater, but I don't think he's got like NHL like reliable speed. Um, I think he, his strength also he, he's got size, but I think he needs work in the uh, the strength department there. So I'm gonna click on one before I click on another one, which is. Yes, yeah, tailgating's like stinking swell back on the golf course. Yep, <laughs> thank goodness. And then yeah, you yeah. still stop for the cart girl because let's be honest, you still got to flirt with the cart girl for a minute. But <laughs> this one, obviously, this one caught my eye, Johnny. We wish you all the best. Yeah, uh, I, I, I hope a, a quick recovery for you. And I hope also when you have your experience, you could also. Tell the Buffalo Sabres what to do with Jack Eichel. So having the three disc views. So best of luck to you, man. But yeah, we, we wish you the best. You guys have been great. Uh, You, you've been great again. Yeah. Uh, We're all with you here. Big Apple hockey community, internet community, internet hockey community. All hoping for the best for you, man. Yeah. (laughs) And I like that you, you got that joke too. Uh, and then, of course, best wishes, Johnny. Um, oh, this is an interesting one from Julian. Who gets on the third defensive pairing? It's it's pretty much. It's got to be Nils. It's, it's Nils and Nemeth at this point. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be them to lose. And, and don't forget, contract of, situations play into it. Yeah, can, Patrick Nemeth is not really that good. I, I didn't like the signing. I think they gave him too much money. From what he is, um, you could have went out and gotten John Merrill to play the same exact position and give you better results for less money. So that's why I don't I don't like that one. But let's hope that Patrick Nemeth ends up being solid. Yeah, and worst case, no. Although he's got there's a three year deal. Like uh, I think we talked yeah. about that with Dan Rosen last week, where yeah, it was he's he's here to play for the Rangers. Yeah, I think he. I think if anything, they might end up moving him after this year. I think they're going to see how bad he is. Um, more, by the way, uh, prayers for Johnny. Yep. Because uh, and uh, I remember when Spooner scored. Oh my god! Yeah, remember when Spooner scored 15 points in 20 games? We all thought he was going to be a key player. He yep. was a point per game player for a while. He, like for the first, I would say, 10 games or so, he was a point per game with the Rangers. So. I- it's, um, it's just, he, he looked like he was going to be a player. Then the Rangers moved him and got back Ryan Strom and I rolled my eyes. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. I have no problem admitting that one. I was wrong about that. And then Ryan Strom was a good third line player on that. By the way, Johnny, uh, obviously we all got to make this joke. You tried to get this replacement, but they couldn't at your age. Obviously, Kevin Adams was blocking that surgery. So, <laughs> um, I'm gonna go to this one from Grant because I like this one. Uh, if you were Galantin, can play anyone. 
what will your defensive pairs be for opening night? You're obviously not going to break up Lindgren and Fox. That's left and right here. That's your top pairing. Um, I would say I would want to play Zach Jones with Jacob Truba and see how that goes. And I think I would want to try to see what Nils Lundqvist and Braden Schneider could do on the third pairing together. Because I, I, I know that's a young pairing. I know it's two rookies. But to me, I, I think Braden Schneider, by the end of this year, could end up being better than Patrick Nemeth. I, I, do, I do not hold Nemeth in high regard, as you can obviously tell. So, Well, having the versatility to play either the left or the right is a great thing. Nemeth has that versatility. And Braden Schneider, I think he was working on that versatility, if I recall correctly. Well, him and Nils Lundqvist both said that they would. So in that case, even if you want to... Now, this is a different scenario. You could ease him in and have, depending on the matchups, different defensemen for different teams. Now, you could do that. I'm just saying, because that's been done before in the past. They've, They've tried to ease them in. But, uh... Yeah, I would. For me, my defense pairings are the the usual suspects on the top four: Miller, Truba, Fox, Lindgren. Thank God for Ryan Lindgren because he has just been he's yeah. still going to be great. Um, and then that bottom six is going to be Nils Lundqvist and Patrick Nemeth for right now. So we're going to ride with them opening night. Maybe not. You know what? Actually, now you're saying opening night. I might want to go with Tenorti but I think it's going to be Patrick Demeth. Ryan Reeves is on opening night. Yeah, Ryan Reeves is definitely going to be playing opening night. Okay, so so by the way, John, so opening night, I just found out I don't have a hockey game. So do you want to do a live show where we're watching the game? Or uh, everybody keeps talking about those. I don't know. But. Or at least a live show. Well, we're going to be doing a live show. It's a Wednesday anyway, guys. So we're going to do a live show before that. So, I don't know. We'll figure that one out because that, that's a new wrinkle. I see the ones where people are getting together to watch the games. Yeah, so. this one is just, ugh. They wanted Elias Pettersson and then they settled for Elias Anderson instead. I don't know. Maybe they got the two names confused. Oh, Elias, Elias. Maybe they're uh, close because of the names are close. But you passed up on Martin Natris. You passed up on Nick Suzuki, on Eric Brandstrom. And you took a guy that was middle later of the round projected. And they took a player in the NHL draft based on need. The first round of the NHL draft, because most guys don't play the next year. Most of them. And they took a guy that they thought was going to be a Swiss Army knife, play either wing and the center. Instead, they just took blah, blah. And you passed up on Marty Natchez. Yeah. And, and you know, no, no, he said Nick Suzuki too. I forgot about Nick Suzuki. But yeah, come on. Nick Suzuki could have helped, but this one is good because we were just talking about it before. Uh, I mean, Ryan Lindgren, his development has just been incredible. The the skating is really the big thing with Ryan Lindgren. When he played a brief cup of coffee, I think it was at the end of the 2018 season, and I think 2019, I think he played a couple of games, he did not look like he was going to be like like even anywhere close to a top four defenseman, but 
he improved his skating big time uh, in 2019 and then came back in the 2019, 2020 season. And he looked like a much, he, he, he slimmed down, he added on some muscle and he got quicker too. And that's really what they uh, really what propelled his career. But you know something, just to go a little bit further into that, that's the mentality makeup of the player. And that's where the interview process is so big because yeah, totally. you get a guy has my throat scratchy. I just drank some water. How the hell is my throat scratchy? Uh, you get a guy who, as you just said, his skating wasn't there. He wasn't there as a player. Comes back the following year, has a pretty good uh, ro- actual rookie season. But you said it best a while ago. You knew that was going to work out because him and Fox played together on Team USA. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, but with that said, it doesn't always carry over. We've yeah. seen success. Like Brennan Othman and Shane Wright, who's projected to be the, the consensus first overall pick in this upcoming draft in 2022, they've been best friends since they were kids. They played together before juniors, and it looks like Othman is about to be traded from the Flint Firebirds to the Kingston Frontenacs to again play with his best friend, Shane Wright. So while that success could carry over at higher levels, it's not a guarantee that it does. And sometimes one player will make the leap and the other doesn't, you know? So one player ends up here and the other player just ends up staying here. But in this case, Ryan Lindgren knew what he had to do to get to that point. And that's why I liked your point about the mental makeup of the player. That's, that's what that is. That's the, that's the, the player that's telling himself, Hey, I need to kick myself in the ass and get myself in gear to, to make that next jump. And that's why someone like Lee Anderson might not end up making a jump because I don't mean, he, ne- he never got that kick in the ass. That's no. the thing about Leah Anderson. And no. the thing is that kick in the ass was there plenty of times with the New York Rangers. And it's certainly there with the Los Angeles Kings too. But the difference is um, going in with this, there's lots of guys that have looked themselves in the mirror and said, I need to get better because it, whether or not it's as, it's as somebody as, as small as say a Ryan Lindgren or as high as a John Tavares or Sidney Crosby, the quote I will always go to about Sidney Crosby is what Matt Cullen said about him, you know, former Ranger Matt Cullen for the one season. And it was Sidney Crosby prepares for every game like a fourth liner trying to make the team. And he's got Hall of Fame talent. That's what you want out of your player. Always drive everybody to be better. Yeah, Shannon, exactly. take it easy. Uh, I will be drafting um, uh, Connor McDavid, number one overall. I would love to know who I got in the second round. Hmm. By the way, what do you guys think? Should I go for Kale McCarr on the way back on the snake? I got two picks. I could get Kale McCarr and Connor Hellebuck. But I think that's a little bit too much of a reach for Hellebuck. But we'll see about that. I don't know. Depends on what goalies are available. I don't know. I mean, if your third pick. Once again, by the how way. Many, how many teams is your draft? As uh, 12. By the oh. way, once again, a Shannon helped me write Bring on the Hockey Season. Check that out. Terrible singing. Good writing. So, <laughs> um, we know Mark will never win American Idol. I definitely won't. 
unless I, he tries. I won't be the worst one. I won't be the worst one though. No, because you could try to be like William Hung, and that could that could possibly help you. Uh, well, I am hung. So. Okay, about that. Moving on. Moving on. All right, we're gonna go about five more minutes because I got to get the podcast posted before the game starts. And and I got. Uh, and once again, John and I are checking out UBS Arena tomorrow. Uh, I'll send you the address where you're going to meet us because it's going to be in a parking lot. We're probably going to have a beer afterwards. Uh, I'll drive in so that way you guys don't have any. And yes, uh, Anderson, Anderson throwing the medal. People said that was such a great indicator. He's going to be a great captain. Oh, it was a head case moment. I actually didn't like it to begin with. Who throws ah. their medal? I was mixed on it because I thought it was good because I, I liked the fire that he showed, but it, it ended up being a foreshadowing of the fact that he's just somebody who throws tantrums when he doesn't get his way. And then uh, uh, listen, the, the organization did him wrong. I will say that, but he did not help himself at all, all yeah. to, to, to get to that next level, make that next step. And I, I honestly don't know if he'll ever do anything in LA. Yeah, I don't think he will. Oh, by the way, Grant, I'm getting McDavid with the first overall pick. Kale is the second round pick. So yeah, it's um, yeah, I know. We, Rick, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's just NHL.com is the only way you could do it. And if you don't have the package, although you know what, if you got Hulu, try ESPN Plus because I know that e- that's ESPN Plus is now what all the games are on. I don't think NHL TV is available anymore now. Oh no, it's still on. I, I watch all the games. On NHL TV? Yeah, I, I watch the games on NHL TV as the recaps. And it's usually their recaps on NHL TV. No, I'm talking like the live streams of like the games that are going on, like how like Center Ice is. I'm pretty sure they still got it because there's a there's, you would have to get all the different manufacturers. I you know what that's a great one. Or the manufacturers, Jesus, all the media companies. Uh but all right, we are going two more minutes right now. So, yeah, but it's interesting. How dare you take Kale over Fox? <laughs> I mean, in in fantasy, it's sort of like love. You got to put your your. Well, you know what though? Here's the great thing. You you just said it just now. Fox, you can wait till the end of the second round, beginning of the third round. Problem is in a snake draft. It goes well, number one, then I get 13, 14. It and also depends on who's available. Like, or sorry, 12 and no, 13, 14. That's right. You, you think if you're okay, so you're in a 12 team league, you said? Oh, yeah. And I just also screwed that up anyway. I just did it like a regular draft. No, I'm going to get one 24 and 25. That's what I'm getting. So I might get Adam Fox. Yeah, you're you're not gonna be drafting at yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get twelve or, or you're not gonna get twelve and thirteen. And so, by the way, that's where you would slot in and say you get Fox and Hellbuck right there at twenty four twenty five. Done. Maybe even Mika's advantage at if I wanted to. But if yeah, I already got McDavid, you can start spreading out your position. Because if you think about it, the, the the ten players you're gonna look at are probably gonna be McDavid, Drysidle, McKinnon, Panarin, Marchand. Pasternak, uh, 
I mean, who else are you looking? Rantanen and not maybe not top ten, but just he's probably going to be somewhere in the top twenty. Oh, are you doing top ten? Yeah, uh, so you're, you're, your your top five right away. Kucherov, David Kucherov, Drysidel, McKinnon, Matthews could slide. Matthews into the is top probably five. a top five. Yeah. And Aaron could slide into the top five. Um, Pasternak. Uh, Marshan, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Ovechkin, Chris, actually is uh falling into sort of the second round area now, but he has so many shots on goal, he can win you shots on goal alone every single week. Uh, anytime you see anyone, uh, this is a good one, John. How about this? There, there are there measuring stick games Solid. that you're looking forward to. That's, I mean, that's another solid question from Grant. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, the Islanders games are always going to be a, a gauge. That's going to be a litmus test. The Islanders, um, really, I would say that would be one. Um, the Capitals, to see how they respond with this whole Wilson thing is going to be a good one. Um, I would say like a team like Colorado and Vegas would be another would be two other really good games because they're going to be competitive teams that are going to have cup aspirations. Um, but yeah, those, those are the teams that I would really look at. I would say. Um, the first measuring stick game is obviously opening night. Uh, their next one yeah. after that, I would say is Thanksgiving Eve against the New York Islanders. Maybe. If things are breaking the way we think they're breaking, you could throw the Florida Panthers on November 8th. Yeah, Florida is going to be a good game because that's that's going to be a tough team. They're going to be yeah. a tough team. They're going to be good. I, I'm I'm calling it right now. We, we, we're probably going to do an NHL uh, prediction show maybe on Monday, but I'm going to call it. Florida Panthers are winning the Atlantic. I, I just I, – even though they got goaltending questions and Tampa Bay doesn't, I fully believe Florida is going to win the Atlantic. Um, after that, you know what? Most of the measuring stick games are in probably in December, Philadelphia. See how they're going to be against them. They got Colorado at home. I mean, obviously the, the, the big boys, but there are some up and coming teams too. I want to see how the Rangers play in Vegas. I want to see how they're going to do on that first West coast swing to, uh, to Canada where they go Vancouver, Edmonton and then Calgary in the back to back. So yeah, Edmonton's really the team I worry about there. The other two are Vancouver's really hit or miss right now. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I mean if you you have Pedersen and Hughes missing part of camp in preseason, so that's not great. Calgary does not look like a good team anymore. They look like they're on the down and out. But Edmonton is really the team where you you want to say, hey, that that's. That's a tough test because you're going to have two of the top five players in a league or so to deal with. <laughs> I'm in Honolulu, Hawaii. Hockey is the furthest priority on cable. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? That's why we got the internet. Yeah, Hell, that is true. I have, guys, I have guys at my bar betting on KHL minor league teams. Oh, geez. Yeah, no. That's a no for me, dog. Uh, might end up being a really good player. Okay. 
I'll just leave it at that. All right. All right. So, guys, I'm going to get this up, and then I'm going to probably watch the first period of the game and then uh, go out and have a beer myself. So yeah, we're, we're hoping to get the previews up tomorrow afternoon for in case you missed all of it. But, um, the, the, again, great job showing up and being with us through that, the, the entire show. Like I said, we're probably going to do some more uh, shows throughout the year and uh, can't wait for this. So let's go do this. Let's do that hockey. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's do that hockey, baby. Let's do that hockey. All right. Everybody, thank you very much. Go turn on MSG right now if you can. Sorry, Rick. I know you can't, but let's go Rangers. Take care, everybody.